Heresy and betrayal. These are the words being used to describe the treachery of the war master Horus and his three brothers, Mortarian, Fulgrim and Angron, against the innocent hive world of Istvan III. Once a flourishing planet, now a wasteland, desolate and lifeless, after the Emperor's favoured son unleashed the Imperium's greatest weapon, the deadly Life Eater Virus. However, all is not lost. Some valiant legionaries survive the onslaught thanks to some quick thinking and a timely warning. Hidden deep within a bunker, under the Coral City, these legionnaires broadcast the truth across the galaxy. Forever hunted, they have vowed to broadcast as long as possible and remain free. Radio Free Istvan. What's going on, Radio Free Istvan listeners? Man, dude, that new opening, though, that's that's something special right there. That's awesome. It's really, really good. Really good. So you guys may have noticed that the uh, the opening did change up a little bit. It's no longer my uh, poor attempt at doing an old radio-style listening voice. We actually had a a, uh, a fan, Mr. Ben. I'm not going to throw your last name out there, Ben. But uh, Ben came through, recorded it himself, gave us a new intro, Boom. And you know, it's like, it's kind of crazy. Like, he's not the first person to do that. Like, Tim, Tim from I of Horus, like, he did our intro one time. We actually had him on, like, we've played his a couple times, but like, this one's like, like, no offense to Tim, but it's solid, man. Like, this is spot on. It's very, very, very good. It's like some pro level acting shit with some like cool sound effects in there. I mean, it sounds legit. I showed my wife and she was like, that's really, really good. I'm <laughs> like, like, yeah. If, like, I, I honestly thought I was getting drafted first time i heard it like i thought it was it was time like it was actually happening like yeah for sure so ben if you're out there man uh i know i already got your address but you know we we definitely gotta send you something dude so so appreciative of how great that sounded and you going out of your way to do that for us man solid work just solid i bet i bet you have a beautiful painted army too i bet (laughs) so many good things from you Yep, for sure. So I, I'm definitely I'm gonna send you a little care package for sure. And I think uh, Michael said he was gonna send you something too. So expect yeah. a couple packages in the mail. So yeah, had to get that out of the way. Had to send our thank yous towards Mister Mister Ben there. But uh, yeah, dude. So dude, a lot of a lot of 30k going on, dude. Like this is like a been a, a pretty big weekend. We're recording right now. It's actually Labor Day today. And uh, I know we don't normally tell you like when we guys record, but like it's Labor Day, man. It's been like a long weekend. I've been uh, been like watching all the Nova coverage from Mr. Mark Raley over there. Have you been checking any of that out, dude? Have you been getting any of that uh, that feed? No, no. Just being honest, no. Not not that I'm di- like I like 30k or whatever, but I'm not huge into like watching other people play uh, 30k. Dude. So like I guess because you know Mark Raley, we met Mark Raley at Adepticon. Yeah, they super nice it. dude. Really good painter. Really makes really cool terrain as well. They they ran the complete 30k track at adepticon so you know he basically has his own thing that they do in in maryland called the nova open and dude we've just been like keeping keeping or i've been keeping tabs on that all all weekend man it's like so cool to like i don't know it's kind of like watching i guess adepticon from the side like it just you sideline watching all these cool models going through you're like watching all these like cool events going on uh dude like i uh I saw Nate posted up his Warlord Titan. Like, honestly, guys, if, if you want to check out some of the stuff that I'm actually about to start talking about, there's a Nova Open Horus Heresy Facebook group you can go check out. And I, th- I think it's open group. I don't think it's a closed group, so you can just, like, hop in and go check it out. But you can see some of the coolest painted models, dude. There's, like, I saw Nate posted up his Black Warlord Titan, and it's got these, like, beautiful, like, gold emblems. Did you see that? Like, yep. How, yeah, yep. Dude, that, that thing is just gorgeous. There was one picture where it's three Warlords just back-to-back, 
and they're all they all look pro painted. It's like three warlords. You got a reaver. There's like five knights, and I think those are all Calcock knights, like the special painted or special printed up Calcock knights. Like, ah, uh, just it's so solid. There's all these titans, dude. Everything's so beautiful. Definitely worth a check out. If you want to go see some like legit 30k armies go check out that uh, nova horse heresy group man they posted all through the weekend just like pictures up of course they posted up like you know the, some of the swag they got and all that stuff but there's so many army armies that are posted up and like some of these list compositions man there was like uh i guess it was kind of the 50 i don't know if they did like a 2000 point or like some lower point cost but like some of these armies looked real small like i know there's like a custodes armies that was like just a bunch of well they i know from like just reading the mission packet before they were doing a thing called uh well where one guy had a larger army than the other guy a uh god damn it what'd they call that not attrition when something's unbalanced it's a cinnamon c- cinnamon <laughs> it's a cinnamon okay it's a cin- yeah it's a cinnamon 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 it's cinnamon. In- cinnamon for unbalanced whatever the word that they used i can't remember but it uh basically like one side gets like 1500 one side gets a thousand so they were kind of smallish games okay so i definitely was looking at some asymmetrical asymmetrical campaign asymmetrical campaign okay yeah that makes sense and that was one of the events i think they had other events but that was one of the events was the asymmetrical campaign yeah i was looking at some of these armies that they posted up and like i saw like one army had like five jet bikes and like one quad mortar and i was trying to like put the points in my like together in my head i'm like what's going on here but of course i didn't look into the mission packet i was just looking at beautiful beautiful pictures beautiful painted armies on the uh smaller games the ones that were like a thousand points or less they kind of used they still used i think majority 30k rules but i did know that they did make everything scoring because the armies were so small they did they just said everything was scoring which I can kind of understand because if you have armies that small that you don't do that with, you're going to have a lot of people just run like the same cookie cutter list, you know, to get scoring units. You're going to you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> yeah. So you're just going to have to take a bunch of either attack squads or something that scores. Yeah. But yeah, man, their terrain was like super on point, too. I saw like Crash Thunderhawks that. I don't think were the Forge World Crash Thunderhawks. Like they look like no, they like, were. Yeah, they were legit. Like somebody like, took a model. Yeah, somebody took a model, cut it in half, and like flipped one upside down. And then there was one that was actually crashed. Like these were like, dude, their their terrain was insane. Like, oh yeah, there's like mul- multiple Crash Thunderhawks. But like, check this guy out. Like that was, like, I don't know if you can see that, but. That's a sideways yeah. Thunderhawk. Like, cut, yeah, that looks cool. Cut down the middle in the like. Well, what would be cool if that's the actual model? Then you can see, you know, it, it's actually hollow in the core, so you could actually put models inside of it. Yeah, dude. Some like, what was Kylo Ren's planet where she was walking around that, that uh, that Star Destroyer? Yep. Yeah, I get some like, oh, dude, that'd be insane. I just need to cut open a Warlord, like a dead Star Destroyer, and like. Have, have make multiple layers no yeah. we should not do that <laughs> so but yeah man i've been impressed like like looking at all these like coverage like going through all day man i just wish i was there i'm totally kind of depressed looking at it now because they there's i mean i think i'm just more more impressed with, like the amount of like busted 
terrain that they have going on. Like there's dead Demos rhinos and dead Thunderhawks and. Well, maybe they'll bring some of that stuff to Adepticon. And we'll get to see it in person. Oh, that'd be so sweet. Yeah, because I did not see. I don't. Any of this I don't know if they're if they're listening, but I hope. I hope they have some big plans going on at least on how they're going to accommodate the amount of people that want to go to Adepticon this year, because just from people that I personally know and talk to on a daily basis, we if we go if they have the same amount of spots that they have last year, I could fill it with people that I talk to on a weekly basis. Same here. Legit. Same. I mean, a hundred percent same here. Just, so, just from the guys who do podcasts, like just, just yeah. from like the wolf layers group, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know. And like, all I'm saying is like, I don't think a hundred spots is too many. <laughs> I think that's, that's all I'm saying. I, I, that's probably too many for them to, I'm just saying, if you had 100 spots, it would sell out. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> You're going to have to cut up a lot of Thunderhawks, Mr. Rayleigh. But, yeah, uh, I'm, not, uh, yeah I'm not Not trying to like put the pressure on him. Like, if there's not 100 spots, he like, sucks his job. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that that's what demand. Like, I really honestly think if you made a 100-man event at Adepticon, it would fill up. I think it would sell out the first day at 100, 100 people. I mean, I know the 40-people 40, the 40 slot event last year sold out in eight minutes yep. i timed it i was there i was i was one of the people that got in got in i mean then... i'm gonna go i mean i'm gonna be like sitting at the computer ready to go when adepticon you know just like last year finger on the cart like i don't know if you did this but uh like i'm like a a planner i like to plan shit like have a battle plan i literally did dry runs through the website all week leading up so I wouldn't fuck it up. Like I knew I have to go to this page, this page, add it to this cart. This, like I need to click this, click this, click this to get it. I honestly I feel like okay because like I like now that I've gone through that whole setup one time. Yeah, I have like pro tips in my mind of like what needs to happen, and I could give these people pro tips. But I feel like if I give our listeners pro tips, then I'm not. They're going to beat us out. They're, they're not going to get to this. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm going to give out the pro tips. Check us out. First things first, the ticket opening thing the button is on the bottom of the page like it just shows up on the bottom of the page once it's time to go all right and so i be know on the page and just click refresh as soon as eight o'clock hits like you know set an alarm as soon as the alarm goes off hit refresh button shows up click it click it all right and now do this first i know you're gonna see all the swag you're gonna see all the cool stuff that you want like i want this i want that don't worry about that that's nope. not gonna sell out you just nope. go back and add it later. Add it later. A hundred percent. You can always add it later. So ignore the swag, get your ticket, get it paid for, get out of there, and you're done you're done. And yep. then then once you because like what Ryan says, eight minutes is like it's legit. I'm pretty sure it's gonna sell out a lot quicker this year just because the, the popularity has gone and grown this year. But straight out the gate, you're gonna have to get your honestly get the full horse heresy track. Like I know. didn't even buy my badge. I I just bought the heresy track with no badge and then went back and added my badge later. No, I got the VIP badge first. No, I didn't even give a shit. I bought the event, bought it, paid for it, and then went back and bought the badge. So this 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 year, Josh, or I guess it was last year it happened, but for this Adepticon, Josh was sitting there. Like I went through, dude. I bought my badge, bought the horse heresy track, bought it. 
and just like and then I wanted to add the stuff like you know the kind of like the the t-shirts and all that jazz like any anything else that like the hoodie I was going to add that but I was like let me just get this through well Josh was busy adding the new things to his cart it timed out and he it was sold out so he couldn't couldn't continue and so yep. like he had to wait and you know get on the waiting list and all that jazz so pro tip out there guys add Don't do all that, that stuff later yeah you can always go back in and add that um so yeah that's what i did too i went through this with the team event because the 40k team event used to be the same way it would sell out in under an hour not near as fast as heresy but still fast the problem is a lot of the times the website they use it because everybody's on there right at the beginning everybody's hitting refresh everybody's trying to load the card up it kind of crashes sometimes so sometimes you'll get errors it'll time out it'll do whatever and while you're dealing with all that it'll sell out so you need to be on the ball the second that it drops and just keep trying, keep plugging away to get get it, you know, ready to go. And but all I'm saying is I, I hope that they anticipate this as best as they can and make it as large as they can without, like, you know, making themselves totally miserable. I understand there are limits to, you know, what they can do and the amount of tables and the amount of terrain they can make and all that. But... I hope that they understand. I hope they're not like sitting around going, "Do you think we could do fifty people?" Because like, yes, the, the short, yes, you can do as many people as you want, and it's going to sell out. A hundred percent, man. Like straight up. Like there's no joke about that. <laughs> so that's all I'm saying. I think yeah, it's going to be a good time. Like I'm, I'm oh man. I'm well, not... anyway, even if I don't like, if something screws up, server crashes, um. I, you know, fall asleep. I'm definitely ill that day, whatever. I don't get signed up. I'm still going anyway, regardless. Like, I've already got a hotel room. I'm going to go and at least play pickup games and hang out with everybody. But obviously, I want to play in the event. So I'm going with the intent of playing in every 30K event that I can possibly play in. I will... The way they were talking is there may be overlap between if they do a... Like, the way they kind of told us last year was they maybe wanted to do more narrative stuff and not stay away from the competitive like they did. Is that right? And that what you heard too? That's what they said. Yeah. So if that's the case, they said something about running the competitive and the narrative, like kind of at the same time. So you're going to have to choose between the two. If that's the case, I'm going to try to do like my priority is the narrative. That's what I had the most fun with last year. And that's the way I like to play. So my priority is definitely the narrative. If that sells out, and I can't get in that, I would try to do the competitive, just have something to do. But um, I, I hoped, hope to get into whatever, like, so basically my goal is to get into all the narrative style events that they have. That's what I want to do. I, I want to get into narrative, and I also want to get into a team team tournament. Like, is Chris, is Chris Evans running the... I don't. I didn't get a chance to do that last year, but yeah, if they do that again, it's not. I think it's Eric. Eric Evans. Is Eric his name. Evans. I'm sorry, Chris Evans. Is it Evans or Evans? I thought it was Evans. Eric Evans. E V E N S. I thought it was A N S. It doesn't matter. Maybe. It's definitely yeah. not Captain America. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's not Chris Evans. Yeah. So, but, but yeah. I played him. He was a fun opponent. He was the guy I played in the second round with the Solar Ox Army that gave me cookies. Yes. I still remember that he gave me cookies. So he's on my good persons list. Because he, he gave me cookies. He beat my ass with his solar ox and then gave me cookies. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, so. I turned the tables on him, and he still gave me cookies. So he's <laughs> he's a cookie giver either way. So he's he's all good in my book. Win or lose, you're getting homemade cookies from him. Yeah, awesome. So yeah, but yeah, I definitely want to do that. Who who are you gonna get your your teammate? I don't know yet, man. I don't know. I figured, you know, you're right here. <laughs> you're right here. I'm I'm down with playing with with whoever. But yeah, we can do that. That's oh, gonna be perfect. I understand. Like, if I mean, you gotta, you know, if you want to roll with your Texas homies, I get it. You're not gonna offend me any. So, no, man, no, we'll but, go in, we'll go and swing in because I can always call Samson up and we can form Team Hillbilly, like the fucking Wonder Twins, wear some fucking straw caps with some uh, <laughs> wheat in her mouth, wear some overalls, no shirts on underneath. We'll go, we'll go Team Team RFI, dude. We'll see, we'll see what happens. What about Pretty? Are we just leaving him out in the cold? He can form Team Black Label RFI with Samson. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, we'll get it figured out. But yeah, if they do a team event, I'll, I'm definitely down for that too. I'm down for all, like, because last year they didn't have the team event at sign up. That was something that was added later. And right. I had already, I didn't take the appropriate days off work. Like, I already had plans to come back. And the other thing, one of the guys that rode up there with me, um, had just like his wife had just given birth to a newborn, oh, so okay. the, kid, the kid was only like four months old, um, maybe even younger than that, and so he needed to get back as soon as possible. So we had already been planning on going, so he didn't want to back out. But I was like, "Oh, we'll get you back as soon as possible." So if you remember, we like cut out like first thing Sunday morning. Yep, and we got because we want. I wanted to get him back. It's, it was actually perpetual painting. David is who it was that just had had that baby. So, or he didn't have the baby, but his, his wife had the baby. He helped make it. He helped make it. But yeah, dude, I'm I'm definitely dude, like I've I don't have my full events planned out. I don't think I'm going to do Zomotalis or do the. I don't think I'm going to go full track. I might sign up for the full track and pay for the full track, but I don't think I'm going to do Zomotalis or Tactical Strike if that's on the if that's on the radar. I'm not really interested in Tactical Strike, but Zom I like the Zomotalis event was a lot of fun last year. I just need to break this last year. So I wanted to look around and like see what else they had. So like that couple days there of like, or I get that. Yeah. You guys need to come to Gen Con too, man. I can't believe you got this awesome resource. You could all crash at my house. We could get <laughs> fucked up on the whiskey and play 30 K all night long. And then go to Gen Con all day. Check out all the, the cosplay, uh, chicks. And run around and act like wild men all day down there. Eat a bunch of good food downtown and then come back here and play 30K again all night. It'd be fucking awesome. Four days of that. <laughs> Four days. Four days of that. I'll get you a tenderloin sandwich. We'll get you some fucking sugar cream pie. We'll take care of you. <laughs> you're, so, you're so welcoming. Like, I can't. I went, listen, we went, we went to the bookstore today and I just happened to walk past a section called Indiana Books. Uh -huh. And I was like looking for something like you guys like, man, this would be funny to like buy like I'll find, try to find a cool book about Indiana and maybe send it to the Texas guys. You know, I don't even know if you guys would read it or not, but just something like things to do in Indiana or things about Indiana, like something cool just to send, you know, like to spread some culture. I get this book, a hundred things to do in Indiana before you die. I counted. Fifty eight. Fifty eight of these fucking things on the list was eat something. Nice. <laughs> like. No wonder we're a bunch of fat asses. Like, 58 of the 100 things to do in Indiana 
is eat some eat something eat something eat this eat this eat put, this. I'm put like this in your mouth. <laughs> so anyway, I thought that was pretty fucking funny. So I wonder if there's a book like that. I'm pretty sure there's a book like that for Texas. I got a book called I bought one called uh, Weird Indiana. That's just like a bunch of weird shit in Indiana, like weird stuff, weird roadside things, like weird stories different stuff so i was gonna actually if you guys were interested if you texas guys are interested i was gonna send you one and i might send one to uh the swedes and um the eye of horse guys as well just to check out i know that i have horse guys would dig it because it's a lot of like just creepy shit or just weird stuff like stuff that they're into that they talk about like cryptozoology like, shit or like there's there's stuff like that in there there's just weird stuff like um so we have a place called uh, Santa uh, Santa Claus World, or it used to be called Santa Claus World until uh, the attack of the social justice warriors, and now it's called Holiday Land or whatever. Oh God, being serious, by the way. So, but anyway, it used to be like, for whatever reason, like a Christmas themed, like theme park, and it was like one of those small local parks. I don't know if you have anything like that. Like the roller coasters are a little smaller or whatever, but it's like less crowded still like really clean and fun you know what i mean like more family oriented like catering to smaller groups there's a bob's burgers with like a santa claus world theme park it, it might be because it's in santa there's a santa claus indiana i don't know if people know that jay cutler is from santa claus indiana the shitty quarterback for the bears does he even play there anymore i don't know can tell you he looks like a homeless person but <laughs> anyway so uh so there was this theme park called Hol- – it used to be called Santa Claus Land. It's called Holiday World. Well, back when this – they were inventing it, like when it was invented and they were like the – th- the theme park like thing was like all a buzz and people were building these theme parks. This other person built a competing theme park and they were like miles apart and they like were competing with each other. Like we have this ride and this guy has this ride and they were back and forth like competing. But anyway, the one of the two went out of business. So there's like – this weird area where you're like walking through the woods and then all of a sudden there's all these like abandoned, creepy, rundown amusement park rides with like weird like Santas and shit rotting in the woods just like at random. <laughs> that if you were just like walking around through the creepy Indiana woods, because we got some creepy ass woods. We got like the X-File woods here, <laughs> like where it's a bunch of like real thick ass like deciduous trees, like a bunch of tulip poplars and stuff and pretty creepy woods. And it's like always misty here in the mornings and stuff. So it's like straight out of an X-Files like. Every X, every every other episode of the X Files, it's like starts in, in, in like what I would call like an Indiana woods, like that type of woods. So, um, anyway, they uh, like you, just imagine like walking through the woods and then like seeing some like just creepy like half rotted Santa Claus statue, just like weird, you know what I mean? Just like weird stuff. So like that's in the book, like and it show, tells you where it's at and how you can visit and like what's weird about it and like why it's there and stuff like that. So it's a pretty neat book. It's a quick read. It's like something you can, you know, pick up while you're on the shitter or whatever and read like 10 pages at a time over the course of a month. I feel like I'd want to be like the person that like if I read about it and I realized why it was there, I think it'd be a lot less scary than me like getting some like hillbilly to be like, you don't want to go in the Santa Claus woods. (laughs) Like you don't (laughs) you don't want to go in the Chris Kringle woods. (laughs) Yeah. And like but, he tells me the story of what he heard and how it's there. It's like I heard it, you know. Well, we got a giant state forest called Morgan Monroe State Forest. It, I don't know if it's a national forest or state forest. You can look it up, but um, it's literally like fifteen minutes from my house, 
and it's huge. Like you, like you could get lost as fuck in there and never find your way out. It's huge, and it's like super creepy. Like it's like this. Like I said, the X Files woods. You've you've watched Stranger Things, right? Yeah. So that's supposed to take place in Indiana, like all the woods and shit in that show. That's pretty accurate to Indiana. I'll just straight say that right now. They got that right. God dang! You ever been in those woods? You ever find staircases? Hmm. I don't think so. I don't think I've seen staircases, but okay. it's it's legit. Like you could walk around in Morgan Monroe Street Forest for probably, you know, weeks. I mean, it's huge. It's a huge ass place. You got any that Sasquatch? Um, there's people that we have we have had sightings. I'm not saying that I believe in that or have seen them myself, but there have been others that say that there are some here. <laughs> That's all I will say on that subject. But anyway, we got kind of sidetracked. I don't even know what the hell we were talking about. Oh, we were talking about Nova Open and then went to Gen Con and then went to Sasquatch. Or went to Sasquatch and then Gen Con. Yeah. But anyway, if you're interested in that book, I'll send you guys that book. You guys can check it out. <laughs> I'm definitely going to check it out. Heck yeah. <laughs> and, and if any of the Eye of Horse guys or any of the other podcast guys uh, want to slum it up and are listening to us, then uh, you can shoot me a message on Facebook and I'll get you a copy too if you're interested. I think you would like the book. It's pretty cool. I'm going to have to find you a weird Texas book now. I think that same company like makes one for every state. Like This one's just called Weird Indiana. It's got a black cover with some weird, really weird like picture of a statue or some shit on it. We got a Hastings going out of business. So I'll get you some weird Texas books. I might just order it on Amazon and just have it shipped straight to you. So I don't have to <laughs> buy it. I'll do all that. So, but I have an actual copy. I have read the book. It's actually pretty cool. Sounds like a plan. That sounds so anyway, exciting. Is there anything more about Nova? We were just talking about, you know, different stuff and, no, dude, that's all I got from Nova, dude. Guys, go check it out. If you want to see some cool 30K action, go check out that Nova Horace Heresy. It's N-O-V-A Horace Heresy 30K page on Facebook, and you'll see some sweet, sweet pictures and a sweet, sweet feed on their wall. Pretty nice. Didn't you go to something here recently? Didn't you go to like some toy expo or something like that? I went to Indie Toy and Comic Con, which my sister helped organize. Our friend uh, Billy Cooper is the main organizer. Dude, it was a blast. Like, it was way better. Like, I knew it would be pretty cool because, like, Billy, Billy's an awesome guy. He's owned several comic shops, and um, he knows what he's doing. He, like, and a lot, he's just one of those, like, super friendly guys, kind of like Josh, like, real charismatic. You can't help but like the guy when you meet him type of thing. Right. So he, he always makes, like, good connections with people, like, immediately. So I knew it would be cool and there would be cool people there. I was really kind of blown away because it's just, like, a small, like, local, supposed to be, like, central Indiana con. But it's gotten bigger every year. The cool thing I would say about it is, for one, it's supposed it's very family oriented. Like it's designed for their target is like families, especially families with kids. Like so, kids twelve and under get in free, and then everybody else is only five dollars to get in, and then it's it's free parking, so it's cheap. So like a family, you know, can get in for like less than twenty bucks with all their kids and everything. Wow. Um, They have a huge. The Bloomington Convention Center has a pretty big like courtyard and they just had a bunch of food trucks that parked in there. So they had like a food, a food court of food trucks. So you could go out there and get like they had barbecue, they had whatever. Love it. Um, and Bloomington is like a college town. It's, you know, it's where uh, the IU Hoosiers are from. Right. Um, good at basketball, suck at football. Um, but anyway, they're, <laughs> they're from there. So there's all kinds of like, uh, it's a pretty big college town. So there's all kinds of like, 
craft beer places, you know, bars, good food, you know, all close. It's all within walking distance. So it's a cool town to go to anyway. That big ass uh, state uh, forest I just talked about, Morgan Monroe State Forest, is right there. And there's uh, Lake Monroe is a giant ass man made lake that ties into that forest. So there's all kinds of like boating, fishing, swimming. There's a bunch of activities to, you know, to do there. If anybody wanted to come in out of state, you could definitely easily make a weekend of it. But the, the con is only one day long, but it's, it's basically all day. Um, but it centers around their, they have a big like uh, cosplay competition. And that's kind of like the main thing. And they give away like really good, legit prizes for it. So it's like the centerpiece to the event. Well, why that's cool is I would say one out of every three or four people was in costume and they were like legit, really nice costumes, like actually put effort into it. So it was neat to see like, you know, almost everybody dressed up like kids, adults, men, women, like tons of people dressed up. It was really cool. And the other cool thing was he had tons of booths where they had actual like the actual comic book artists there, like with their comics. So you could, you know, buy a comic and they'd sign it or they'd sell you real prints. And they had a couple booths where you could uh, go up and tell the guy, like, I just want like a sketch of, you know, Spider-Man bowling, like whatever. It didn't matter what you wanted just for whatever. And they would sketch that out for you, like custom, like custom. Like they'd be like, we'll come back in two hours, you know, and make you like draw you up an actual like custom print of whatever you wanted or whatever. I love it, dude. I need to get for, me some Spider-Man, a Spider-Man bowling shirt now. A Spider-Man bowling shirt. But the coolest thing. So I, there was like just some weird, like some neat, like artist people that just like had a cool take on things. Like there was one, uh, uh, lady that was selling stuff. It was like she took famous sci-fi stuff, basically nerd stuff like Star Trek stuff or Star Wars stuff or G.I. Joe or any comic book. And she would like take a picture. So say imagine like data from Star Trek, like a picture of him. And then she made it like weathered it where it looked like an old timey portrait from like Western days and then put it like in a shaggy sheep frame that looked like it belonged in a museum. But it's like fucking data from star trek that's awesome dude like she had a bunch of those like and they were really good there was somebody that really liked weed and mushrooms a lot that had a whole bunch of like really weird psychedelic like cross like crossover stuff like centaur he-man it's like centaur he-man that's half my little pony half he-man with like all psychedelic colors (laughs) and like crazy shit it's pretty wild that's pretty neat um they had a booth that the guy was just selling art that was Disney princesses, like, with superheroes. So they had, like, um, Ariel and Wolverine. Like, Wolverine's, like, jumping through the air, kicking, and, like, he's, like, piggybacking fucking Ariel the Little Mermaid. And they had, like, clever names that, like, tied the two things in together. Like, there was, like, Snow White and Captain America, and the art was called, like, Snow Caps or something like that. And... <laughs> They were like doing stuff. So that was kind of cool. There's a guy, he's an awesome artist. You can check him out. What's he's local. He's from, uh, I think Fishers, Indiana, which is just North of Indianapolis. His name's uh Stuart, uh, Sager or Seeger. Um, S E Y G E R. I think is his last name. Okay. Uh, he makes his own comic. It's like a horror comic. Um, I can't remember the name of it. I'm looking it up real quick. Uh, he makes shiver. His comic is called Shiver in the Dark. It's actually a pretty big comic, and it's like a Victorian era like horror comic. 
It's pretty cool. And he's got some, like, if you look at his images, he's got his own web page and stuff where you can see his stuff. He's a really famous artist and has a really unique art style. He had a booth there. And my buddy Nick bought, like, I can't tell you how many prints from him. Because he had, like, this big chart. If you buy this print, buy a print, it's this much. If you buy two, they get cheaper. And then once you get to a certain point, you get free ones. Nice. And then he's he's there, so every print you buy, he'll sign for you and talk to you about it or whatever. So we bought bought a bunch of stuff from him. There was a booth that sold nothing but, like, uh, magnets, like refrigerator magnets, but they took, like, famous screenshots of movies, like Top Gun, like where they're playing volleyball on the beach. Right. You know, you know like, were without even any words. And then they had some that were just, like, slogans or some, like, they made, like, fake cereal box covers with, like, comic book stuff or Star Wars stuff on it. And it was, like, a huge... It was in the corner. It was a huge booth. Like, you could have spent hours just looking through magnets buying these magnets buying refrigerator magnets for your fridge uh, i had to like pull my buddy nick away like he was just over there for like i'm like dude we've spent an hour looking at magnets come on there's other shit to look you at you don't have enough fridge for this <laughs> and then i was laughing there's this old marine like just like old you could just tell he's like one of those no nonsense dudes like mm-hmm. had a beard had his marine hat on was a nom vet just like kind of like you know real super super nice guy but just kind of serious you know right yeah but he had a booth that sold like old style wooden toys, like toys that he's made in his wood shop. Oh shit. But he made like all war toys. Like he had like fucking Sherman tanks and like Panthers and like guard towers and barbed wire shit, like a bunch of World War II shit that looked legit. That's just straight made of wood that he made by hand. Oh my and that God. was his whole booth at this comic convention. So it was kind of weird because it doesn't really fit. But he he's done it like every year, I guess. It's a toy expo, man. He's got a And my sister toys. said he sells a ton of shit. Like people love it. And he likes seeing all the costumes and stuff. It's it's pretty cool. So it's cool to see something like he was even getting in on it. I took pictures of it and sent it to the Wolf Slayers guys and told him it was Amish 40k. <laughs> Cuz it's like all the, he had like all this terrain. He had like the pillboxes from fucking Normandy that he'd made out of wood. Like it was really cool. He did a really good job. Do you the see tanks, any like World War 1 like land ships or anything like that or he had the duck boats from World War II, like yeah. the landing boats. He had those. I mean, it was cool. I got a couple pictures I can send you. It's pretty neat stuff. Yeah, dude. Um, check that out. So he had that. Then there was just a bunch of booths selling action figures and stuff. I was you got me that one moss man. I was trying to find a moss man still in, in still sealed in the package. I found one booth that had eight moss men. They were just in Ziploc baggies in various states of disrepair. Some of them like the legs and shit were snapped off. They look like ass. Me and the guy were laughing. I was like, do you have any Moss Man? He's like, oh, dude, I got so many Moss Man. So he's like pulling out all these baggies. I'm like, do you got any sealed? He's like, no. And I, he showed me, he's like, he goes, all these are in pathetic shape. He's like, this is like the worst figure. Like, this figure just does not hold up. Like, dirt and everything gets stuck in this fur. You know, it's it smells like shit. Your dog wants to chew on it. It was so funny. The guy had me rolling just like talking about this toy, like, it was just really funny because he's like, instead of like trying to sell it to me, he was talking about how bad they were. <laughs> it was really funny. He's so, like, but Mossman is a bad dude. <laughs> oh yeah, but he like like he was like into it. Like we were just laughing and uh, talking about the toy. But um, so anyway, so it all boiled down to so this is what I bought at the toy and comic con. So my buddy Nick bought like legit nerd shit, like you would think, like comic book prints, comic book magnets, a couple co- actual comic books, like whatever. So weirdo me, I find a Fraggle Rock lunchbox. Okay. So I bought a Fraggle Rock lunchbox for my wife because she likes Fraggle Rock. And I feel like you said you were going to buy that. I don't know. I have to go back and listen. But I, 
I don't, I don't I know. Like, I but anyway, like it's one of those things you were looking for. So this is a legit, like it's from 1984, like the lunchbox is. Um, so I found one there. It even had the thermos with it. You know, it says, you know, it's the real deal. Pretty nice shape. So I bought that for her and I was like, I bought it with the intention of her actually taking her because she takes her lunch to work every day. Right. But she's going to, she knits and crochets. So she's keeping all her knitting and crochet stuff in it as like a travel thing. Okay. So I bought her that. And then I, like, I had money, like I had a, a set amount of money I wanted to spend and I couldn't really find anything else that like just really blew my skirt up. But mm. I found a Fonzie from Happy Days cookie jar where he's like doing the thumbs up. Hey, it's like a Fonzie bust. Okay. Cookie yeah. jar. It's his head or what? Or like it's the whole, just like it's his shoulders and head. Okay. It's like it's pretty big. It's a pretty big cookie jar that his head comes off. And I asked the guy, I'm like, so what do you got on this Fonzie cookie jar? Tell me about this cookie jar. So he's like, well, me and you are probably the only two people here that even know who that is, for one. So I got the laugh. Like, the guy had this big story. So he's like, this guy needs a home. I've taken him to, like, three or four of these cons. None of these young kids appreciate it. Nobody wants it. So it needs a home. So you should take it home. So he cut me a deal on it. He was all excited to see it go, that he, he was going to get a good home. So wow. I ended up buying buying the Fonzie uh, cookie jar. Do you so, keep it in your wife's bakery or what? No, I have in my basement bar downstairs that I've showed you pictures of. I have my cabinets have glass fronts on them, and I I put LED lighting in it. I did the lighting myself. I'm pretty proud of that. So I have little spotlights in the top that shine down. I had one empty spot, so Fonzie gets a place of honor with a uh, spotlight <laughs> shining on him behind my bar. He earned that spot. So pretty so you funny. Your, your so I got picture. a and a and a Fraggle Rock lunchbox. I think it's a good haul. There's no like forty yeah. k, thirty k there, like no warmer at all. Um, I saw a couple people had a few like art prints, like homemade art prints, I think. And then I saw, um, yeah, I'd have been all over that. There was a Zim the Invader booth. There was all kinds of Zim stuff there. That was pretty cool. Oh, dude, I love Zim. I don't know how the guy had ties to it, but there was a booth that was essentially nothing but Zim the Invader. I don't know if it was the guy who does the comic or what. I didn't talk to him. I probably should have. I like Zim the Invader. Yeah, look, get you a little real life, like life size Gur doll. Like yeah, metal that'd be tight. Well, they had a bunch of like graphic novels for that, and some art prints and some other stuff. Um, but anyway, it was it was just a really cool event. I had a really good time. It was on my birthday, so I was in a good mood. You know, went got me a Fonzie cookie jar <laughs> for for a personal birthday gift. But no, I didn't really see any forty k, thirty k. I told I'm going to talk to Billy next year. I want to set my own booth up because my uh, my sister's boyfriend Brian. I painted that dungeon for him right. to run demos, and the kids loved it. Everybody loved it. Now I will say I walked in because I gave him models to put on it, and he had he needed some rats, and I had some rat swarms that were painted for descent. And I go here, just take these rat swarms. And he's like, no, I want these little individual rats. He goes, plus I need models for the kids to play with. I'm like, all right. I'm like, well. If you need me to paint them or whatever, just let me know. He's like, all right, cool. Never hear back from him. So he takes his dungeon. So I walk in, right? You go in the entrance, the like the the demo booths are downstairs. Right. I see that from across the room, my dungeon thing I painted, and I spot from across the room unpainted fucking miniatures on it. <laughs> were they I was primed? so mad. Were they primed at least? No, no. Oh, they were my God. Plastic. I was like, what is this shit? So I immediately stormed over there, and I'm looking at it just going, ugh. Why are there unpainted miniatures on this? I would have painted these miniatures 
So I couldn't find Brian. He was gone. He was out at a food truck. So I found my sister. And she's like, hi, Bubby. What's going on? And went to go give me a hug. I'm like, no, 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 no. Why are there unpainted miniatures on my thing? And she goes, ugh, I knew you would hate that. <laughs> <laughs> so we gave Brian crap about putting unpainted miniatures on it. It's like, do you see this I have Horus shirt I'm wearing right here? I had my I have Horus shirt on. I was showing him. I was point see right here. It says fully painted. So I was repping the Eye of Horus at the uh, at the Indie Toy Comic Con. Not that anybody probably knew what that was, but um, but anyway, no, there wasn't. But next year, I'm hoping to talk to Billy and get my own booth, and I want to set up a betrayal at Calf booth, Do and it. have have a couple Calf boxes for sale if it's still available. Um, Set up the actual board game, but with fully painted pieces, and then take a three by three zone mortalis as well, with another set of pieces. Where you, and then when people come and want to do a demo, they can demo the actual board game, or demo zone mortalis using the same miniatures. And I'll have a few other thirty k miniatures sitting out. And then I want to make some business cards that's just for our local game club. Love so it. if people want to get into it, they can come join our game club. It's like, hey man, this game's pretty fun. It's like, yeah, let me go ahead and show you the. Like let's play a quick game. That's how that's how I got that's how I got in. The whole remember when Games Workshop used to do that like quick test game with you and then yep. you'd win. Like they just let you win. It's like, oh, you just killed my orc war boss with your space marines. Just like my the guy that I had that was at the Katie Mills mall, every time I'd do something, he goes, And just like that, and just like that, he'd roll a dice, he's like, And just like that, I fail my armor save. <laughs> and you just killed an orc. This orc's now dead. And just like that, you fire your bolter. Bam, bam, bam. You hit the orc. Let's see if he's wounded. Just like that, he's wounded. I'm like, oh my God, like this is happening in front of my eyes. <laughs> and I was like, that's hilarious. I think I was young, so I was like, mom, I got to get in this game. Then we go look at the, the starter. Even, I mean, I think back then the starter was like 80 bucks. Six, 60 bucks, 80 bucks. Yeah, dude, it was like nothing. I was like, yeah, go ahead and give me the Space Wolf starter. I think the second edition starter that I bought was either 50 or $60 for the whole starter, where you got the 20 Marines and, like, you got 20 Marines, 20 Orcs, and 40 Gretchen, and a cardboard Dreadnought, and then all the, the, uh, you got the rule book, the fluff book, which is, and the, uh, war gear book, and then all the cards and shit and templates. Just make sure you have a bunch of, uh... Betrayal calf boxes with you when you when you have that little thing. Yeah, I'll probably get take four or five of them with me. Um, but yeah, I think that I'm gonna hopefully Billy will let me do it next year. I don't know what a booth costs. Oh, just one more quick story because this was hilarious. So when they were leading up because they planned this thing all year long, you know, and they have like a meeting like once a month, you know, for the board which my sister's on and the, her and Billy and all these other people meet. They have like a business lunch, right? So they've been they seventy five percent of the time they eat at this place called Who it's called Who Hot Mongolian Barbecue. Nice. It's a it's a Mongolian barbecue place in Bloomington down there. So just because they ate there like so often, the the manager of the place like became friends with Billy. Just like I said, Billy's super charismatic. So Billy was like they became buddies. So Billy was like, Hey, I'm having this con. That's what all these meetings are for. You're on the team now. He's like, I'm on the team. He's like, You're on the team. We're gonna give you a free booth. So oh. At this Comic Con, there was a fucking Mongolian, who hot Mongolian barbecue booth with like some uninitiated non comic book people running it with a bunch of like cosplayers, like, you know, they're slinging barbecue coupons to all these cosplayers. So it was pretty funny. I got a <laughs> kick out of that. Were they selling anything or was it just like just a barbecue booth? I, they just basically were like passing out advertisements for the restaurant, you know, like, like this is it. And I think they had like a little sample thing. 
there, and then they had like coupons and stuff, and then like uh, raffles where you could sign up to get like free, you know, free whole meals and things like that. That sounds like what they did over at the uh, the War Machine booth. You remember that over at Adepticon? Oh, where they had the really hot chick. They had the like, yeah, she was like pushing the uh, that metal bar. Yeah, uh, Kuma's Corner. Is Kuma's, that what it was? Yeah, it was Kuma's Corner. Yeah. We have one of those here. There's only two in existence, one in Chicago and one here. By the way, that's an awesome place to eat for all you listeners out there. Yeah. It's like, especially if you like uh, any sort of metal or, you know, rock, it's a it's a real cool place to play or place to eat. But I always yeah. get the mass. The, if you look at their menu, all their menus are, all their menu items are named after metal bands. I always get the Mastodon burger. That's my <laughs> favorite one. I don't remember what I got. I know I got the chili, and I went to go back and got the chili again the second time. Oh, you got to get a burger, man. I think got I had – I wasn't, like, super impressed with their burgers, but, like, the chili, I love – You said you it. didn't eat it. How can you not be super impressed you didn't eat one? You said you I, I had a burger, but I had, like, oh, okay. in addition, like, I had chili and a burger, and then I think the second day I just got the chili. I was like, I don't okay. even need a burger this time around because I'm just going to get the big version of the chili. I'm going to eat the shit out of that. But it's a cool restaurant, yeah. There's one in Chicago and one in Indiana. Oh, so if so. you go to Adepticon or Gen Con, be prepared for hot girls and burgers. Yeah. And metal. And metal. <laughs> so anyway, dude, let's go some hobby progress, dude. We, like, we went way off the radar, but it felt good. It felt right. I felt like uh, anybody listening to this podcast would definitely appreciate what we just talked about. Yeah, I think so, too. All right. So, I finished my Scandus Dreadnought that's pre-disqualified. So, I named my Dreadnought Scandanius Disqualificatus. Right, that's right. That's the name, that's the name of the Dreadnought. So, I don't know. I sent the pictures to uh, Christopher over at Varangian Heresy. Right. So, I don't know if he's posted them, if he did post them, where he posted them. But, I don't know. Go go to their Facebook and check that out. It's probably there somewhere. If it's not... You mean you're not going to, you know, it's still a cool Facebook page and they're cool dudes. So it's not like I'm sending you somewhere you don't want to go anyway. Those are those are due October 10th, right? I think so. Did you ever actually officially enter? He keeps reminding me that you're not actually officially entered. Yeah, after your podcast with him, I, I made sure that I sent them an email with my picture and all that to get entered. In. Okay. Okay. So I sent him mine because he just said, uh, go ahead. He told me to go ahead and send mine in that he would, you know, post it up like as a, this doesn't count. But here's a cool dreadnought. So ten four. So I got mine done and painted and sent him pictures. So I don't know if pictures are there. You could post pictures on our Facebook page too if you want. But um, I finished that. So that was the main thing I did. I also uh, started painting my two Avenger Strike Fighters. So I got all the crew and all the weapon systems and guns and all that fully painted. So like the cockpit pieces and all that are fully painted. Right. And then the the planes themselves. I had a ton of airbrushing to do on them, and I went pretty intricate. I looked up some World War II um, Luftwaffe paint schemes because the plane looks like a Stuka. So I was looking at Stuka camo and just like stuff like German camo schemes from World War II. So I found some that I liked. So I tried to duplicate that as well as I could. So there's like three or four layers of airbrushing on there where I taped, you know, to get the camo right, do the triangles right. So it took me a ton of time just to mask it all off and then spray paint and then remask off a different area and paint it, do all that. So I got all the, the airbrush camo layers done and I sponge painted the bottom and like feathered it up the sides. I think it looks pretty cool. And then, like I said, all the crew and guns are done. So I just need to do 
the weathering and the detail work on the actual plane itself and then glue all the weapons on. So they should be done by the time we record next time, but they're like three quarters of the way done now. So I did that. And then um, I built a, another Contemptor Mortis for my Salamanders because apparently like 13 Salamander Dreadnoughts isn't enough. I needed a 14. Okay. So um, I built that. Uh, the reason I build it is because I did a, like a massive amount of airbrushing. I literally airbrushed for like two days straight, like got up, played with the dogs, put them away, airbrushed all day, you know, ate dinner, went back to airbrushing. And then the next day did the same thing. Okay. So I got those planes done. I airbrushed a ton of blood angel stuff that I'd built, but hadn't airbrushed yet. The same thing with salamanders. So I wanted to, that was like the one salamander model laying around that wasn't built. So I wanted to go ahead and throw it together so I could just air, you know knock it out while I was airbrushing the rest of the stuff. So I airbrushed a ton of word bearer stuff, a ton of blood angel stuff, and a ton of salamander stuff. Did, is and, your uh, is your dreadnought that you got there? Is that a calf dreadnought or is it like a four? no 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 no? I don't like that model. Um, <laughs> it's a nor it's the actual salamander contemptor okay. that I just bought the mortis upgrade kit for and okay. two salt can so what it's for is for that uh it's i needed that dreadnought to take my all dreadnought list from 2000 to 2500 because nobody ever wants to play 2000 point games so i added my 2000 point dreadnought list i added a leviathan and a contemptor mortis too to get the extra 500 points beautiful so now the list is cast and dracos like three contemptor cortices uh, six box dreads, two or three contemptor mortises with dual carries, um, a Dorado, and a Leviathan. And that's running the Raider detachment. Raider. So detachment. You, you get six elite slots, and they all and everything taken as an elite scores. That's I ha- so I that's what it, so I have three contemptor cortices, three. Or six box dreads, so two ta- so that's three talons of three, so that's three choices. And then I have two contemptor mortises, so that's five of each choices, and all that scores. Cast and Dracos, right? Well, D D three D three plus two units infiltrate, which we wrote Forge World, and Forge World says that a talon counts as a unit during deployment. So the whole talon, like if I, so at a minimum, I'm infiltrating nine dreadnoughts. So. Um, so Cass and Dracos is the HQ. Then I got those three talons and then the two contemptor mortises and then a Dorado with the auto cannons and the missile launcher and then a Leviathan with, uh, the, the auto cannon arm. What's that thing called? Storm cannon. Storm cannon. Yeah. Storm, storm cannon, uh, pinchy claw with melt gun and Volkite chess. Mm. No phosphex launcher because I'm goody, goody, goody two shoes salamanders. But I still think it's a pretty funny list. I think it's gonna be good. I think it's gonna be a good time. Yeah. I so I think you so have I, to convince some people to what to play it. Yeah. To I've never use attachment. Used it. I've never used it. Like it's just one of those things I wanted to build it as a hobby challenge. And I I love dreadnoughts and dreadnoughts are fun to paint. So I got like all that's left to paint for that army. Like I already have the two thousand point version painted. I just need to paint the Leviathan and the other Mortis, and it'll be twenty five hundred. Um, 
So that's pretty much all I did, man. I did all that, and then I've been writing a ton of army lists. People keep sending me army lists to go over and review, and which is fine. Like not just for the show. Like I do a couple for the show. It's just like friends, and right. then like people on Facebook, other podcast people. Like I get a lot of that now. Hey, write this list. Hey, does this look okay? Do you like this unit? So that I I do that a lot too. You're the guy. You're the guy, dude. I don't know that I'm the guy, but I try I try to make people happy. I'm telling you. If you're out there, just if you really need like his help, just try and send him a list on how to beat a warlord. If you really want to throw him off. Yep. <laughs> yep. So please do that. I might surprise you and actually, you know, have a list for that. Oh, I don't know. Ask him to write you a list so that both players have fun fighting a warlord. That that's not possible. The <laughs> the other list would be uh take another warlord i guess I, I i still don't think that's fun but somebody's not gonna have fun anyway let's not talk about that <laughs> um, so what what did you do hobby progress i like wise? i like i like cracking the brain that's like you know when like when you like if you want to defeat a robot you have to give him like a uh like a what, what are they called where oh man a what, riddle not a riddle uh, a rhetor- rhetorical question no god i can't believe i can't remember it's like a uh Oh, it's like a loop, like an endless loop where they get stuck. Like you just gotta. Oh, okay. You just gotta keep throwing trash into Ryan's brain, and eventually it'll <laughs> get frozen. He'll lock have up. Like, he'll have like a hemorrhage, a <laughs> brain hemorrhage, and lock up. But no, man, my hobby progress has been uh, mostly working on the secret weapon miniature table. Um, I have been 30kifying my thunderhawk so okay. uh i mean really the thunderhawk is well i guess let me explain uh so if you get a thunderhawk model it's got the side sponson heavy bolters in the front and it's got the heavy bolters on the wings uh if you look at those and you compare them to like 30k heavy bolters the 30k heavy bolters just look different i mean that's just the bottom line uh 30k heavy bolters are I don't know. It's just there's, there's a full different style to them uh, as like side sponsors and all that. So I spoke with my local guys here and found uh, found out that Jay and then found out that uh, Zach didn't use their side sponsors for their Sakarans. So I got the side sponsors for Sakarans made put the heavy bolters together to make the heavy bolters twin linked. And then basically I have those all glued up minus the actual like sponsor part, but they're all glued up to look like a twin linked heavy bolter with like the, the, the big drum mags on the side of them. Mm-hmm. And so those will go on the side of my, uh, my Thunderhawk on the front of it. And then on top of that, I actually ordered through secret weapon miniature, not secret weapon, I'm sorry, Anvil Industries, the 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 heavy it's it's not a heavy bolter I, I think they call it like heavy machine gun turret or something like that basically they're like their version of tarantulas but underneath the wings of a thunderhawk uh it's the same od as the razorback turret and it just honestly it looks dumb like i hate to say it but like it just looks like an upside down razorback turret that they put on the sides of the uh of the wings. And so looking at those from Anvil Industries, 
they use the old style looking heavy bolter, except in the middle, there's a big fat targeter. And originally what I was going to do is I was going to use the tarantulas from Forge World to put underneath the wings because they mount on the Razorback and I was just going to mount the heavy bolters upside down. But the targeters look kind of off. So I was like, okay, well, I can't really do that. And I couldn't find the heavy bolter tarantulas anymore. So I don't know if Forge World doesn't have them on the side or maybe I was looking at like the wrong side. But I couldn't find it anymore. So I went to Anvil Industries and basically paid the exact same price for what you would pay for a... Uh, tarantula from Forge World. But I got a pretty good one. Uh, and then I looked at, I watched like so many YouTube videos on how it's put together. And so it can be assembled upside down with the, it, even though you would never want to, but you could assemble it with the uh, heavy bolters upside down. So basically underneath my Thunderhawk on both sides, it's going to have old school looking heavy bolters. And then the front is going to have the uh, Sakarin circle mounts guards on the front with, uh, with twin linked 30k heavy bolters so i'm it's like the little things you know just like the yeah. little thing like yeah it, it'll they, be cool if there was somebody sticking out of my thunderhawk like they'd be in like mark three armor but <laughs> i don't get that like i can't listen i don't get fun stuff like that because it's flying through the atmosphere so but yeah man i i got that all put together and kind of worked up and just dude we've been like pretty much like I know it's six months away, but we've been planning Stiff 3. We've been talking so much about Stiff 3, talking about venues and all that thing. And then, of course, we've been hitting up tables and how we're going to do tables. After seeing some of Nova's stuff, like, we knew what the bar was set at. So, you know, we got a lot of ideas from, from what do you call it, uh, from Adepticon. But now it's like, you know, okay. Well, well I'm not we'll... running my event. I drew up, like, I drew sketches and... <laughs> wrote down a bunch of ideas for tables I was going to do that for the event that I'm not going to have anymore. So you guys are more than welcome to steal all my groundwork and ideas if you want. Dude, for sure. Throw it in the, uh, the stiff two planning chat we have or stiff three planning chat. We have like, yeah. there's so much stuff that we like are trying to figure out. Uh, honestly guys, of all you listeners out there, we are, I mean, we have a pretty good idea of what people want to see in a swag bag. And, like, we have some, like, really good ideas. And, like, what's really cool is we have access to, like, a laser etcher and all that stuff. So there's, like, there's a lot of fun things that we can do just out the gate on our own, buying raw materials and making it. So there's a lot of stuff that we can personalize and make cool. Um, but we're, I mean, we like I said, we have a general idea of what people want, but we're not 100% sure on what people want in their swag bags. Uh, so if y'all are listeners out there and y'all want to give us some advice on what you'd like to see in a swag bag, we totally are open for, uh, for, for opinions or, you know, examples of what you'd like to see in your swag bag. I mean, it's going to be pretty sweet regardless, but you know, but, but yeah, dude, speaking of swag, dude, uh, did you see that, uh, we got more flags in, did you see like people are repping our flags now? Yeah, it looks awesome. I've seen a bunch of, like, hanging up in garages, hanging up in game rooms, hanging up in bedrooms. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so you listeners out there, get a hold of Josh Delarosa on our Forgotten Legion page and get you a flag. Man, so many people have asked us for those uh, Forgotten Legion flags. Basically, it's a Texas flag with the eye of horse instead of the star. Sure, But, I mean, shit, dude. Like, people repping them, man. So if if you're looking for a flag, I know a lot of you have been. Go check that out. Get you a TFL flag. Get it, get it up. But yeah, I'm looking behind me to see if there's anything else I did. No, dude. Strip, strip my uh, 
my my dreadnought for Scandis. Strip my Scandis dread. That's about it. I used uh, the simple green method. Yep. And that's all stripped up. I got to repaint it. But since I used all my uh, Mephestin red and my corn red on the Thunderhawk, I got to go get some more of that. So really just halted my whole progress. <laughs> but I, uh, since I've been working on that, that table, that secret weapon miniatures table, I have a straight up dead warhound lying in the middle of it. And this is a warhound that I've already painted, but I thought to myself, okay, no, you can do better than this. Cause he's got to be super weathered instead of just normal weathered now. So just completely paint them all over again. So I'm trying to weather the the I'm I'm saying dreadnought, but I I meant warhound. Did I say warhound? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm sorry, warhound. Like I have to weather this warhound to look like he's been laying there for a long time. So I guess I got to figure that out. I would take that rust paint that I have and paint a bunch of that on it, and actually rust it, and then lay something over the rust like salt like wet salt use the wet salt technique or put rubber cement over it and then airbrush the model right and then and then wipe the salt or rubber cement off so that you get realistic chipping and whatever and it'll expose the rust underneath hmm. i may do the whole the whole like because you know how the actual warhound itself has a lot of metal and then there's yep. panels that are painted yeah, I may just paint the panels and rust out all the metal. There you go. That way, it looks like it's been there a long time. Just a dead warhound titan, dead as foot. I've been doing a ton of research on weathering because I'm remember I've been telling you that that's the next thing I want to learn. That's the next step. I went on the way to our uh, family get together today for Labor Day. I made my wife stop at Hobby Town USA, and I came out of there a hundred dollars poor with a ton of books on weathering and weathering pigments and a bunch of like the Vallejo, like engine grime and water streaks and all this other shit and went to Walmart and bought some like makeup sponges and things like that for, uh, sponging on weathering effects and bought a fancy graphite pencil and all kinds of shit for weathering. So I dug out a old Lehman Russ I painted for my Krieg army. So tomorrow when I go to work, that's what I'm going to do all day long is learn how to weather. Who are you going to learn from? Or are you just going to learn my, from the book? Myself. I'm going to watch YouTube videos and read books. I, uh, I'm the tip of the spear. I was telling you that before we record. I have to learn everything myself because apparently we talked about this. Apparently, the only people who know how to do that realistic military weathering are Europeans. Like, it's a it's a, a grade school, or they call it primary school class, is apparently weathering military models. Because every magazine, every YouTube video, every tutorial online, every article written, um, all that shit is all out of Europe. It's like every other person over there knows how to like professionally paint and weather up like a Sherman or a fucking Panther tank. It's crazy. There's no Americans that know how to do it. Like we have wood shop. They have 
model making. Apparently, I can't figure it out. It's the weirdest thing ever. Who? Uh, which? Isn't there like some dudes that run around that teach you like how to professionally airbrush your your models? I don't know the if MK the MKA guys. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have that. Yeah, we don't have none of that. Like, I'm just I'm just saying. Like, I keep trying to. So I told Samson. So I want to kind of get this weathering thing down. I'm trying to get Samson to do a painting class. And I told him I would help him. We could run it together. Like, I'll just be his, like, manservant. <laughs> I'll even I'll wear a fucking Speedo if he wants. I don't care. I'll wear a, uh, a black label, black dot. What is it? Black label painting. I'll wear black a black, black label. label I'll wear a black label painting Speedo and run around and help people. Like, get all uncomfortable. Like, lean over him and shit. Put my man titties <laughs> in the face. Trying to show him how to airbrush. You didn't even shave. <laughs> 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 do you have a toupee inside your speedo <laughs> yeah so anyway but uh yeah we need something like that we need those mka guys to come here they i guess the eye of horse guys just like contacted and we're like or somebody over there maybe it was i think it was one of the other australian guys maybe it was the loaded dice guys or something contacted those mka guys and we're like hey fellas we want to do your class and they were like well if you get this many people to sign up we'll come there as long as you give us like room and board, you know, basically, you know, pay for our hotel and shit. Maybe we need to do that. Let's do that. I mean, why is that even like on the table? I mean, let's. Yeah. I mean, you guys have way more. It's just me here. I'm alone on the island. Like I have to like I do more babysitting than gaming anymore with my game club. So why don't you I'll help you do it? Like, I, I want to join your crew on that. Like, we'll get him. We'll get him to come to Texas and I'll fly to Texas to take the class there. <laughs> You bring your speedo. Uh, yeah, if you want. I don't That's know why I cool. want to see that. I don't even know why that crossed my fucking head. I was just imagining myself in a fucking black label speedo running around with Samson, and it would it's be what, fun. It's what the people want. It's, yeah, it's what the people want. I got the worst chest hair too. It looks like I got a vagina in the middle of my chest. It's like this perfect, like diamond, like the Superman logo of chest hair. Oh. It's really bad. Just throwing that out there. Oh, so you people- listeners. If you ever see me like in the public shower somewhere at the gym or whatever, you can make fun of my chest hair. Man, dude, I'm going to post something up tonight to see how many people would sign up for that class because I think if we held it in Houston, we could get a pretty massive turnout because there's a lot of gamers in Houston. I mean, there's a lot of gamers in San Antonio as well. Austin has its own little league. Uh, Actually, we could probably hold it in Victoria because that's the same driving distance for everybody in houston san antonio and austin well i would 100 percent come to it 100 percent, i would be there i don't know i will shoot so shoot, we need to co- guys contact yeah well we can talk we can probably get their i mean you could probably look their contact information up it's uh what andy wardle and matthew kane i believe is who runs that thing and they do like weekly classes it's called i believe it's called mka isn't it mka painting studios Hold, please. Okay. MKA Studios painting course. Yep. Yep. So those guys are legit. Those are who did the 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 Eye of Horse guys had them on their podcast and all that. And they're like when like I don't know like every year they have like the Golden Demon shit. I don't know how many Golden Demons are up for grabs. Let's say there's thirty up for grabs. I'm just making that number up. If there's thirty up for grabs, Andy Wardle and Matthew Kane win twenty five of them. No shit. Like they like clean house. They're like the you know, American basketball Olympic team. Like, like, why the fuck are you even showing up? Like, just give me that award. Don't even make me get out of bed. Just mail it to my house. We're good. 
type of thing. <laughs> they should have silver demons, and you just compete for the silver demon, and they ban those guys. They mail the gold ones to them, and you get the silver one. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, dude, I'm totally going to be hitting them up. I'm, I'm going to post tonight to see what kind of interest we can get. And if I, I swear, like, if I can get 100 people to sign up, which I think would probably be pretty easy. Especially That's a ton. I don't even think they want 100 people. Like, you need to talk to them first. I think they had to have, like, 40 at their class, but I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I know nothing about it. I just know that because my wife is talking about she owns a cake shop, so she's wanting to do, like, cake decorating classes, kind of the same thing they're doing. And there's a point where the class gets to an unmanageable level. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. So now I'm not saying they don't. Maybe they maybe they're cool with a hundred people. I don't know. I don't run their business. I've never talked to the guys. I'm just going off of personal experience of what I heard them talk about on the Eye of Horus. So, but I would contact them first and then put it out. Uh, I'm looking at their stuff right now. It's so good. So good. So good. Well, they're in White Dwarf like every issue. So just get a White Dwarf. They're in there. This dude's got Horus with a tattoo painted over Horus's face, and like the. <laughs> the freehand on his face is like better than I could draw like full size on my own face. Yeah. He's got like a tribal tattoo on his face. That's so nuts. Yep. They're, they're definitely legit. Oh, we didn't talk about the new white dwarf. Is that something we care about? Uh, talk about it, dude. Bring it. Up. It's good. It's good. I was happy with it. Um, is, is it just like the older, old version of white dwarf? Like it's, well, it's a lot thicker. It's like, I forget how many pages. I want to say it's roughly 140 pages. Um, the coolest thing about it was that it came with, so all the little like board games they've made recently, like uh, Execution Force and Betrayal at Cal, like the actual game parts, like, I, you know, the actual game itself. Right. I think there's, they've come out with like nine little board games, like the Night Renegade. There was like a Flyer game, the Scouts versus Gene Steeler game. Uh, Warhammer Quest, um, all that stuff. They came out with extra rules or extra scenarios or different missions for all that stuff. So that one white dwarf has like extra scenarios and rules for nine different games in it, which is legit because I really enjoyed like actually playing the Execution Force board game and the actual Betrayal at Calf board game. I mean, obviously I'm in 30K, but I like the game itself. So they put all new missions in there and new rules where you can paint the Ultramarines units word bearer and vice versa. So there's rules for to actually play the Betrayal Cow board game with the Ultramarine Dreadnought as opposed to the word bearers getting it. And the same thing with the Terminators being word bearers instead of Ultramarines. That's fun. That sounds exciting. That sounds like a whole bunch of like... Yeah, and there's so there's six new missions in there. I mean, it's pretty extensive. There's like a three or four page just for that one game. And then all the other games got stuff... You get a free uh, Age of Sigmar miniature. I don't care anything about Age of Sigmar, but the actual miniature itself is pretty rad. It's just like a a corn Chaos Warrior looking guy. So if you made a really witchy poo World Eater army, you could definitely use this dude. Uh, especially for like uh, that world, what is it called, Bot or whatever in Book Six, where it's like all the inductees have totally lost their shit and they're like just a bunch of like super crazy berserker guys right yeah like you, you could probably work him in something like that or you know maybe even play age of sigmar whatever but it's a cool model um it's it's not just like some bullshit like they gave away a free sigmarine when age of sigmar came out and it was just like a guy with his dad body and you just glued the arms on it was like basic as shit like this is an actual like multi-part 
like what you would normally see in one of their little blisters. So it's like a really highly detailed, nice model. That's way exciting. That sounds and really cool. I was excited because I actually am interested in playing the Silver Tower Warhammer Quest game. I've not played it yet. Um, I sent mine to Samson to paint. So Black Label Painting is painting mine. So <laughs> once I get it back, I'll try it out. But I don't have any minis to play right now. So I cut a deal with Samson that I would send him a new White Dwarf and then send him my White Dwarf model, and he would just paint my model instead of pay me for the shipping. So he's going to paint up my uh, my model, too. So anyway, I was pretty excited about that. But it's it's really cool that they put the Blanche, the John Blanche section back in there. Um, I love John Blanche, but John, if you're listening, there are more paint colors than brown. Just saying. Like, <laughs> John Blanche is back in there, and he still only owns brown paint. But um, so... Uh, Anyway, but that whole section is in there. John Blanche is awesome. Like, pretty much the entirety of everything that's fucking awesome about 30K and 40K, pretty much all of it come from him. So, so is his, like, his art's back in there? Like, all well, it's that Blanche, that Blanche issue section where it's like, here's John Blanche, here's a bunch of models he made. Like, they show, like, models from his personal collection. Gotcha, okay. Things that he's painted and maybe artwork that he's working on, and they have, like, a little interview with him in there. It's pretty neat. It's a cool section. They put that back in. Um, so yeah. I like that they put, um, it's just better. It's way better than the stupid weekly stuff. That weekly stuff was bullshit. It's definitely more like the old ones. And I'm hoping it's hard to say cause it's only one issue. So this issue is a home run hundred percent. There's really no reason to not buy it for if you own any of those board games and you know, care any, like, like that model at all. Like I'm sure you could buy it. The cover price is nine bucks retail. I'm sure you could buy it for nine bucks and sell the model for that on eBay. It's a cool model. So there's no reason not to buy it. That being said, let's wait until they get five issues out, you know, because it's easy to hit one home run. Let's see if they keep it up. Like if the next issue is just goes back to a bunch of ads, you know, which is like what the weekly ones were, the weekly ones were, here's an ad for this. And this is an ad for the, you know what I mean? They were kind of bullshit. They weren't very good. 10, four. Gotcha. So I, I actually really like the new white dwarf. So definitely, definitely check out this issue and we'll see. I'll keep you posted as they come out. Cause they went to monthly. Now the one big change that I do like is because it's monthly. Now you get the white dwarf and then the releases, you'll get to see the releases a month out now. Cause it used to be, you'd get the white dwarf, like as a retailer, you would get the white dwarf would show up to your shop on Friday and then they would, the releases that were in there on that Friday would hit like would show up on their website on Saturday for pre-order. So you had like 10 hours to tell your local people like this is what's coming out before. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So it was kind of bullshit because it was like, oh, surprise, we're releasing, you know, X, Y, Z next week. And it's like, oh, cool. Well, I have eight hours to plan how I want to release this and pitch this to my local guys like now you'll have like a month, like it'll come out and they're like, Oh, here's the new Karn model. It comes out, you know, 30 some days from now. So you have 30 days to tell people here's the new Karn model. Here's the picture. Do you want it? You know, and then getting a list of pre-orders together for it instead of just being sprung on you, which is nice. Is there anything 30 K related coming out? I don't remember if there was, I don't think there was very much 30 K stuff in there. No more than normal. There was a few like models, like here's a beautifully painted model, you know, by so-and-so like they have like, like models, like non-studio people, like featured models, 
are in there. Um, I seen Celso, Celso Mendez. Yeah, Kelso. He's he's in that like he's they're putting him in almost every issue of White Dwarf now. He's awesome. He's hitting it out of the park. They have his uh, they are featuring his lightning either on their Facebook page or whatever that Sons of Horus lightning you've seen yep. pictures of. Yep, he was at Nova. So that guy's legit. Him and um, I think his name is Damon Drescher. He goes by Nomad on the Free Buddhist Forum. Right. He's from Southern California. They're actually friends. Him and Celso. He does those beautiful Emperor's Children that are like the cool, like the nicest looking Emperor's Children you could possibly envision. Um, so, but anyway, both those guys stuff is like some of the nicest models I've ever painted. I think Josh has a secret. Or ever I've ever painted that I've ever seen painted. Sorry. I think Josh has like a secret crush on that Kelso guy. Have we talked about this? Like, you know, Josh just send Kelso's like, he just like sends him stuff, like has his address. Like Josh sends him things. And like, well, he's I'm, probably just like, I want to see like more beautifully painted stuff. Here's some free models. So you paint it. Like he, like he sends him like I think he sent him like a personalized cup and all that stuff like he just like sends Kelso stuff. Well, like, he couldn't send it to a nicer dude. That guy's such a nice guy. Like I don't really know him that well. I've just you know talked to him on Freebooters. He's on there. And then did you talk uh, to him at Adepticon? Yeah, I met him. That's okay. the first time I actually met him face to face. But he's an awesome, awesome guy. And I know just from knowing other people on the Freebooters forum that have spent lots of time with him. For by all accounts, he's just a really cool human being. So. It's good. Good yeah. that he's that Josh is sending him stuff. I hope they become besties. Besties. <laughs> but anyway, that uh the new White Dwarf, the at least the first issue, the new format and all that is really cool. Like they put everything in there that people have been wanting. There's battle reports back in it. There was I battle love report. battle reports. I love White Dwarf battle reports, man. So th- there's that that's back in there. Um I think it was Age of Sigmar, unfortunately, for us. Some people probably like that, but yeah. Anyway, but yeah, it's cool. Like it, it's cool again. I liked it, but we'll see. Like I said, fifth fifth issue rolls around. I'll tell you how it's faring. Fingers crossed, dude. I like I light a little Jesus candle for it and those little little Mary candles. There you go. We'll hope for the best on that one. All right. So we're gonna talk about army lists, dude. If you want to, man. Actually, okay, so I, so I, here's I just, the thing. Here's the thing. What did we talk about before the episode? What did I tell you? What did you what did tell, I tell me you? before the that episode? That I had a surprise for you. Oh, yeah, you, you did and that, and that we were going to do that during this section. So before, before I do this army list for strangers, I wrote an army list for you, sir. Oh, God. This is fantastic. Like, I'm, I'm yep. tickled pink right now. So this is totally... You didn't ask me to write you an army list. Never you did. You didn't ask yeah. me. I just did. I just like Michael needs this. So I wrote you an all comers list. You could take it to any tournament if you wanted to and just play it as an all comers list. It's an all comers list to kill a warhound titan. To kill a warhound? War, war, <laughs> sorry, a warlord titan. To kill a warlord. Because you had this idea, like, and now I'm getting hit up. I'm, I can't get it. Like, on the Freebooters forum, people are sending me messages, messing with me about warlords. I keep getting these emails, text messages. Facebook messages. Hey, uh, my buddy's got this warlord. How do I kill it? This and that. Like people think it's funny. Like I'm getting trolled everywhere I go now. How many hellbrutes so to kill a warlord? How many hellbrutes? Yeah. So we're just going to do this. I wrote you a list. So you wanted to know. So this is it. This is the list. So I actually wrote, I broke down the numbers. I did all the math. I got a whole page of math here. Look at this. This is like some beautiful mind shit. 
right here of numbers broke down on good god what you get so i wrote a loyalist list to do it and a traitor list to do it okay which legion did you go with so loyalist i went with salamanders okay of course naturally and traitor i went with world eaters Ooh. okay i'm kind of interested how the world eater one is going to work i guess because your strength six maybe that helps in some way no i don't know Let's hear it, dude. I'm, I'm, so I'm what do you, what do you to want to hear? Which one do you want to hear? Loyalist or traitor or both? I feel like the traitor one is going to be a little bit. I feel like world eaters are going to have a little bit harder of a time doing it. So I want to hear the salamander because it seems like the salamanders would have an easier time taking out a warlord. So I'm kind of here. I, I want to hear the I want to hear the world eater one. OK, so, so this is the lists are super similar. So we can just basically do one and then the other one. I can just tell you sub this and sub this out. So okay. we'll do the salamander one. Let's do it. So the, the Salamander one is you take Nomus, Lord Chaplain Nomus Rytan as your HQ. Hold on one second. Is he in book six or is he in the... He is in book two or okay, the, that so, book there. So he's in this book right here. Yeah. I got I to gotta get this. Like, I've not looked in a Salamanders at all. Right. Get, get your pen. Get your pencil. Write this down because this is your Warlord list. <laughs> this is your, your Warlord killer list. And so this so, is... I'm guessing this is 3,000 points, right? No, it's twenty eight hundred. A warlord. Oh my god! You match the warlord price. I match the exact warlord in points. So both of these. So the the world eater list is twenty eight fifty, which is if you buy the the tri barreled uh, D shots on the shoulders, which is what most people are going to do. A warlord is twenty eight fifty. So I I made sure both lists are the exact points cost or cheaper than a warlord. So this salamander list is twenty eight hundred points. Okay, so I'm in the Salamanders right now. It's no- Lord Chaplain Nomus Rytan. Lord Chaplain Nomus Rytan. Okay, I'm looking. He's 215 points. That is a must be a really nice chaplain. The keeper of the keys. Anyway. Okay. So, so the reason that you pick this guy, he's the only chaplain that I'm aware of that has Master of the Legion. Okay. So the idea is you want hatred so you get rerolls to hit in close combat. So that was the idea. So you go with Salamanders for two reasons. One, they're the only Legion that can buy Storm Shields to give you three up invol saves, which you're going to need. And they're the only Legion that I'm aware of that you can take three Chaplains as HQs and still take a right of war. <laughs> okay. So the HQ choices are Lord Chaplain Nomus Rytan, and he's going to select Orbital Assault as a right of war. 10-4. That you're going to take two more Chaplains, and they're going to be in Cataphracty armor with Chain Fist, and Dragon Scale Storm Shields. Ten so they're going to be a two up, three up with a Chain Fist. And then they're going to make any unit they're attached to have Zealot, which is Hatred and Fearless. Right? So then for your two troops, you take two 10-man tactical squads and drop pods, because you have to. So right. that's two troops. Then, for heavy support, we'll, go, we'll skip to heavy, and then we'll get to where the meat of the list is at. So for heavy support, you take three Charybdis dread claws so three three charybdises for heavy support okay then for elites you take three nine-man cataphracty terminator squads just normal cataphracty that every single guy has a storm shield and a chain fist 
And how many? How many? Like f how many people in each ta any cat uh, any squad? Nine, nine guys in each okay. squad. And then you put the chaplain with them, so it makes a full ten man Terminator squad. That every single guy is a chain fist. One of the guys is a chaplain. Okay. And then you put all those squads in the cryptuses. Ten four. Then, because you have two drop pods with tactical guys in it and three cryptuses, half your drop pods come in rounded up. So you get three cryptuses, each with ten cataphracty with chain fists and storm shields. Turn one. So turn one, you drop your cryptuses in and you surround the Titan because he, it's just like my night tactics on just the tips. The Warlord can't move through you. It has to stay one inch away from any enemy models, just like any other model. He's not a tank. He can't tank shock, can't do shit. So you drop in, you just measure 12 inches from the board edge. You just get as close to him as you can with no, no danger of scattering off the board because you land and then you immediately get to make an 18-inch flat-out move in the shooting phase. So it's not like you're going to scatter. You're going to end up exactly where you want to end up. It's impossible not to. Right. So you're going to put one in front of him, and then his base is so large, you can put a huge gap between them and then put two more on the sides where he can't go anywhere. And you're going to be within 24 inches so he can't shoot his carapace weapons at you. Right. Because he's not going to be able to move far enough away to be out of that 24-inch bubble. And you honestly should be able to move your drop pods one inch away from it where the arm guns are literally hanging over your drop pods and they only have a 45 degree up or down. So he honestly probably can't even shoot you at all. And then even if he does, he's got two arm guns to shoot at three drop pods and you're going to likely you're going to be able to jink. So unless he rolls a six on the D table, he's probably not even killing a Charybdis. And then even if he does, he's not going to have any shots left to kill the guys. Right. Right. They'll just so take then on 10-1, right? They'll crash and burn, I'm guessing? No, no, no. They're not flyers. They come in as skimmers. If they die, you just take strength four AP dash hits. Okay, okay, fair enough. So you're in no danger. You're not going to lose any Terminators turn one. You're just not going to. It's it's very unlikely. Like, it's this is almost impossible to screw up. You drop it in, you turbo boost where you're one inch away from it, and you're surrounding it, and you should pin it in where it can't move. It shouldn't be able to move. Now, they can. he can assault your... Dread call and kick it with strength D, but he's still, you know what I mean? Your guys and say, oh no, we take strength D. Even if he manages to like kill him, you can't be pinned. You're fearless. So you don't have to worry about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're good. You're good. Like no matter what happens, it's pretty much foolproof. Turn two, you assault this guy with 30 Terminators that all have hatred, that all have chain fists. Okay. Now, because the drop pods can move. So what you can do, if depending on how the Warlord is, if he tries to move away or whatever, what I would try to do is get out of the drop pod my six inches before I move the Dread Claws, and then surround the feet with the infantry, like move your guys around the feet, like where you get as far around them as you can before assaulting. Right. Because if you think about it, if you got models all the way around the feet, he can't move. You can't lock him in combat. But he can't walk over you. But he can't walk because he can't. You can, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, so I once understand. you get, once you get around his feet, he can't shoot you because you're too close to him. His guns don't swivel down that far. The carapace weapons can't shoot, and he's locked in place. So he's done at that point. He's just he can kick three times a turn and stomp on you. So he's gonna have to stomp to death or kill thirty dudes with three up involve saves, which isn't gonna happen. He'll die in two rounds of close combat to that many chain fists. I've done the math. <laughs> And then, of course, you get that 
Chaplin's super hammer with armor bane and all that jazz. Well, that's not that's not even a big deal. The big deal is that you have so with the salamander list, you have 27 normal terminators, two chaplains with chain fists that all have hatred. So that's going to be 20 on the charge because here's the thing. Even though you're touching him because you're in close combat, it's like being in close combat with a vehicle. Like you assault a vehicle and you stay in combat in touching it, but you're not locked in combat. So the tank can move away and you can move away. So you're going to get hatred every round against it because on your turn, you're not locked in combat. You just back up an inch and recharge. Right. Every turn. So you're going to have hatred every turn. So when you're fresh out of the drop pod, just the 27 Terminators have 81 chain fist attacks on the charge with hatred. So if you basically, I'm not going to get into all the numbers, but you have, you, you do your attacks and then out of those attacks, you get X amount of hits. And then after you get, pull those hits aside, you get to reroll all the misses and you get more hits. You take that pile then you roll for pins or glances, you know, with your armor bane, strength eight attacks, and then however many pins or glances you get, he gets a five up invol save against all that. So, all that being said, you should average with the salamanders not three glances and six pins <laughs> a turn. Okay. And then of those pins, you're going to get some explode results. So you should average um, putting eleven whole points a turn on it. So if you figure you're doing that on your turn and then again, well, you're not going to get the attack for charging it on its turn, but you're still going to likely be in base combat with it because it can't move away. Right. So you're going to get a diet version of that. And then on the, the turn after that, you're going to get to recharge, put another 11 and then you're going to then fight it again on its turn. So it should die in two, two turns, two rounds of close combat, two full turns of close combat. It should die to your terminators and it should be totally helpless to stop you. <laughs> And then if you think about that, if you took this list to a tournament, and even if you didn't run into a warlord, this list is still going to, like, be good. Like, nobody wants, like, who wants to fight? Like, it's hilarious because there's hardly any shooting. But think of all the armies you play. Do you really want three Caribbeses with all loaded with fucking two up, three up chain fist wielding Terminators to come into your deployment zone turn one? No. Do you want to no. deal with 30 of those guys that all are fearless with hatred? No, not at all. Okay, well, there you go. So this this army will literally work against most things. It's definitely not the best army. Like, I could build a better all-comers army for 2,800 points. But this will murder a warlord, hands down. It's not touching. It's it's done. Unless it's the luckiest guy with stomps in the history of the world. <laughs> um, you should kill a warlord. Well, I mean, I'm. let's just say 999 times out of 100, you're killing it without it really, you know, being a contest. 999 times out of 100. I'm just saying. That's a... L <laughs> I don't know. That's just some made-up numbers. It's some fake, like, bro science numbers. I just made it in my head. I'm just, like, I find it hard to imagine any scenario where you don't kill it. That sounds ridiculous. That sounds like so many chain fists going off at the same time in such a beautiful cacophony of hate. But... That's that's what you wanted. That's that's just that's calf box. You could just buy a ton of calf boxes and build that army <laughs> list, and then buy some crevices. All it is is tactical marines and some terminators and some drop pods. That's all that it is. The tactical guys just sit back. I'm gonna if you if you built the army, you got to model the tactical guys sitting in lawn chairs, popcorn, 
in one hand and beers in the other, like just chilling. And you just got to drop them like away from the warlord. So when the explosion goes off and it kills all the terminators, you still have guys left. So you're not table, but they're just literally chilling, eating popcorn, kicking back some beers while they're watching like all the other guys get just murdered. Watching their boys take down a warlord. Is it going? Is it going? Actually, you don't want to do that because it can't shoot at anything else. So it's just going to shoot those tactical guys. So those guys got to like hide somewhere. And since the warlord can target terrain, like, there's well, no what way. you would do is you would try to drop them in, like, because it only has a 40, like, it can't move once it's locked in place. So you just drop them within 24 inches so the carapace weapons can't get them, and then just put them out of the arcs of the arm guns, like, to the sides or the back. And then he can't target them. So even, you know, he's basically locked in place. <laughs> and then just murder that poor guy that I'm playing is one model. <laughs> yep there you go and that's a 2800 point list so you're you're actually spotting the warlord player 50 points oh my god what's the uh what's the world eater variant okay so the world eater variant because they can't take storm shields so basically it's the same number of terminators and all that so it's still two tactical squads and drop pods and it's still 27 terminators with chain fists but none of them have storm shields but they're just normal cataphracty it's only two chaplains because they can't take a chaplain that is a character. So it's just two chaplains. Um, or actually, did I take all three? Maybe I did take three. I think it's only two. Hang on. I got it right here. I guess you could fill out the HQs. You could do all three. That's what you should do. But then you'd be over points. See, I'm already thinking about it again. But anyway, it's it's essentially the the same list. But with all the extra points you get, you swap Gnomus Rytan and all the Storm Shields for Angron. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's two chaplains that are armed the same way, only without Storm Shields. Then the 27 Terminators armed the same way, only without Storm Shields. Two tactical squads and drop pods, three Charybdises, and Angron. So, still take an Orbital Assault. Um... You put Angron in one Terminator squad, the Chaplain's in the other two, and then it's the same deal. The thing with World Eaters, the reason you take them is because you take the rule where they have Rage. Right. So on the charge, they're getting a bonus attack. So instead of getting rerolls to hit on every guy, because you're one Chaplain short, so you're going to have two nine-man squads that get rerolls and one that doesn't, but all those squads have an extra attack per guy. That's brutal. That's solid. So, so they actually kill it faster. They It's the same scenario. You do the same thing, but they average 16 whole points a turn instead of 11, so they kill it faster. But when the Warlord fights back, like kicking you and stomping you you're losing or more. doing all that, you'll lose more guys because you're only a 4-up save instead of a 3-up. But it's the same. It's pretty much the same. Same idea. Good God. So, and I, I tried different things. I tried doing a Loyalist one with Gilliman and giving all the Terminators Tank Hunter. Yeah. So they got rerolls to pin. Um, the problem was because, you're, once again, it's basically you're only getting two chaplains instead of three. The, the math actually works out almost identical to the Salamanders just getting rerolls on everybody as opposed to Gilliman giving everybody Tank Hunter. Right. So it's basically the same, but you're not getting the durability because you don't get Storm Shield, so you're better off doing it with Salamanders. Plus, it's a lot funnier killing a Warlord with just Terminators and Tactical Guys and not even have a Lord of War. Do you even need the... Yeah, I guess... Like, 
Because if you're going to be getting stomped and de-weaponed... Well, you shouldn't. Once you're in combat, that all the de-weapon should end if you've done it right. Well, he's got D-strength. got D strength. Yeah, yes. but he's kicking you three times. Unless he rolls a six, you get invul saves against it, and you got three up invuls. Right. And, and he's only hitting you half the time. No, well, if you're that's the other thing. Fire drakes are weapon skill five. Or sorry, they're not. Never mind. They're not fire drakes. They're normal terminators. So he's hitting you on fours. So with three attacks, he's only hitting you one and a half times. So every other turn, so it's basically every full game turn, he's hitting you three times total. And then if he doesn't roll a six, you're getting three up saves against it. Okay. So you're like not going to hardly be losing any Terminators. The only problem is going to be if he stomps and rolls a six, he's going to remove a large blast marker's worth of Terminators. But if you put your guys around the feet right, it's all about setting up, like moving your guys and then charging in so that you're spread out because you have to take the shortest path. Right. And then even then, because you're not locked in combat, if you survive a turn, you can move out and then charge back in and keep spreading your guys out as you do that. Because of the way he has to place the blast markers, because he can't place it where it covers himself, he should only, because of the way the blast marker is shaped, it's going to be touching his foot. So if you're right against the foot, he should only be getting a couple Terminators with the marker. Mm. So even if he rolls a six, he's only going to be removing a couple, and you got so many. Good God. That sounds... That sounds way fun. Like, uh... I'm kind of excited about, uh coming up with some sort of like background and story find some special titan you know what's funny about this right so i have i have everything to build this army minus two charybdises i have all the rest of it i'd have to magnet warlord in your area (laughs) no samson does yeah but he knows about like why would you play against me like Oh, it's Ryan. He's got that stupid. Look, I even labeled this is it's a total because I knew I was writing a list for you. Uh huh. Look at the name of the army list. Warlord Killer Traitor. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one is Warlord Killer Loyalist. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be that in fuck honor up, of like your in honor of your God Slayer list. So I I wanted to spring this. So it was funny that you didn't know this was happening. I've been warning you all day that I had a surprise for you that I'm right. gonna tell you on the show. So this is a surprise. Not that long ago, while recording this actual episode, you said something about a list. And I said, yeah, well, maybe I'll do that, which I did. So, <laughs> so it was already done. Before you knew it was done. Hopefully Josh doesn't listen to this episode so like I can start well, you, What you can do is you can tell him to bring his warlord and we can trick him into playing me a game before we go to Adepticon and I'll kill it in two turns with like only losing like a couple hundred points worth of models. They just keep coming. They're what I'll do is I'll put, a sheet, I'll put a sheet over my army. And I'll go, pick a table you want to play on. You can pick whatever mission you want to play. You can pick whether you go first or second. I don't care. It's totally up to you. Pick whatever you want. My army's under this sheet. Uh, when it, just Come get me. Come get me when you're ready to go. Get everything set up. Come get me when you're ready to go. And then he'll go, okay. And then I'll go, okay, well, you do whatever. And then it's, when it becomes my turn, I'll pull that sheet off, grab the three Charybdises, set them down around this Titan, Go, okay, it's your turn. He'll have, like, some hope. Like, he'll see it and he'll be like, what? Not a single Venator in sight? Oh, this is going to be baby cake. This is going to be This is gonna be so easy. Yeah. Nope. 
Dude, Josh is Josh is pretty confident in that warlord right now. By the way, he played an apocalypse game at uh, our lo- one of our local comic book shops. Uh, yeah, uh, Legacy, and he it was a it was a forty k apocalypse game. He took his warlord and just cleaned house like it was not even. Yeah, it's a <laughs> talk about it. dude. And so spe- since we're you talking, can't let it shoot. If it shoots, it will kill a whole army every time it shoots. If you put the right guns on it. So we, uh, you know, it's kind of like I saw the first few turns of that game. And the first thing they did was, okay, there's a warlord on the table. Let's go ahead and get all of our knights together and let's send all of our knights at it. How'd Bad that work out for him? Didn't we talk about this? I'm pretty sure we talked about this. Five knights died in front of me. Like before yeah. they only, only one lived and it made it halfway up the table and was shot. Like yep. it was, does that like, make you rethink your little gallant list? Did I not tell you? Hey, well, my list had nine knights, so that means three of them would have made it <laughs> and then got their ass beat in combat. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it totally, like, immediately after having that conversation, I watched a warlord wipe fucking that many knights off the table. Just you can't let it shoot you. Oh. It sucks because that's why I said it's not going to be fun because it's either that scenario that you just described or it's a scenario where... I wrote this list for where the guy that plays the warlord basically stands around wondering why he spent $2,200 on a model that just got murdered by terminators and he's not even rolling any dice. It's literally just like, okay, it's your turn. Oh, you can't shoot anyone. Okay. It's close combat. Roll your three dice. Okay, cool. Here's my 80 dice. You know, (laughs) you killed me with your fucking 22 calf boxes. You piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah. So that's exciting, dude. Send me that list. Send me that list. I'm gonna go price it all out. I'm gonna see like what it would take to build up. And I'm just gonna have it in my back pocket all the time. I'll probably go the world eater one because I don't have a trader army, but I do like that salamander one. Well, and like I said, like say you had to pl- like I don't know why you would ever, but if you wanted to take that to an all comers event, okay, so these you still have five scoring units. All those terminators are scoring. All the the two tactical squads that you have to take are scoring it's all in drop pods all that shit like all those terminators are fearless with hatred it's a fucking nightmare to try to get that many terminators off the board the salamander one it's gonna like dig in like an alabama tick you're gonna have a hard fucking time like because all that shit is gonna be in your grill turn one it's gonna be like boom here's three crypticas and 30 fearless hatred terminators enjoy that the angriest of terminators are sitting yeah. in your deployment yeah. zone now and then if they touch anything in close combat because it's like most people have like here's my spartan with my primark death star okay cool that's cute so we get in combat maybe you get the better of me against one squad for one round of combat but you're definitely not going to kill all those two up three up guys it's not going to happen so maybe you kill half of them and you win combat but i'm fearless and i stick and then the other two squads of buddies come over there and now you're fighting 25 two up three up chain fist wielding terminators it's just gonna like hold your primark down and rape him with chain fist like you know what i mean like most armies cannot deal with that amount of close combat like at all like that's gonna be trouble so really the only way to deal with it is to get away from it and shoot it yeah yeah because once they're out you just move the fuck away well, I mean, you got to kill the Cryptuses. If you don't kill the Cryptuses, they'll just get back in and chase you around. That's the other problem. 
that's the other funny thing about it is if they don't kill the Caribdises, you put the Caribdises in flyer mode, and just uh, because the missiles swivel around where they can all fire in the front arc, and they can each target a different guy, that's 30 strength 6 twin link shots on flyers a turn that cause pinning. So those Caribdises are a nightmare in and of themselves, like if you don't kill them just flying around shooting you. That's a brutal list you wrote there, Ryan. But... It's it a brutal, just, just all-around list that I don't think anybody would want to face. Like, I may shove a two Adepticon with that thing. Well, it's 2,800 points, so. A well, the world, the world Eater one's 20, 2,850. The Salamander one's 2,800. But anyway, so that was for you. That's my gift to you because you would not let it go. So I sat down and spent two hours of my life figuring all that out and doing all this math and making sure it would work and referencing the rule book and coming up with the strategy. And there you have it. It's a lot cheaper than my, uh, night list, which is like, you know, the gremlins all over the, the warlord, like trying yeah. to pull it down. So yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love the idea of it. I love the idea of terminators going like, just like a, a hunter cadre of terminators. Just like, listen, you signed, when you, we gave you your Terminator armor and we assigned you this chain <laughs> fist, we told you that we were going to need your help one day, and this is it. You need to go out there. There's a rogue-ass warlord running around. We need to take it out. We're, we're using all of our big guns for other things, and we actually are a little offended you even questioned it. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, that's way exciting, dude. That's I knew it would come. I knew that list would come out of your head eventually. Well, there you go. It's there. You just got to keep poking and prodding a few times. You hear that, everybody? If you just poke and prod at Ryan a few times, <laughs> stuff will come. <laughs> so, yeah, dude. So now that we're on the like the list track, man, since we got lists coming out, you know, we're about to we're about to review this this one list, but I do have a buddy that that hit me up and is actually pretty recent, so I know it's like he didn't have a chance to like come out with a list. Or you didn't okay. have a chance to work on a list, but I'm going to hit okay. you up at the end here just to speculate for him. And this guy that we're talking about is totally worth writing a list for. Okay. But, uh, but we'll wait, let's let's knock out this uh, this Alpha Legion list that you uh, you broke into. Okay. So let me just go ahead and pull it up real quick because I love that you've had a grin on your face. You're still thinking about the Warlord list. I can see it in your face. It's pretty funny. I'm totally looking for like oh, <laughs> just I just why imagine, does this? Can I ask you why does this intrigue you so much? Because man, like that's like yes, you could have a warlord on warlord list, or like you know, you could have this sweet terminator on warlord list. Like that's like nobody like you buy a warlord, you expect like this is how I kill things, and I I watched like plenty of games where I think just wipes the shit out of the table, and so like this is like a. And especially like the fact that it like can be made with like calf models like that makes it even funnier. <laughs> but anyway, let me go to Steven's list. Sure I mean, I, like I said, I don't, I don't see how it, I don't see how the warlord wins. Like your 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 opponent will be so mad at you. Like you're never, you'll never get him to play enough games with you for him to ever like beat the odds and beat you because once he faces it a couple times and realizes that it's like, you know the Rubik's cube has been solved no matter, you know, how well, you arrange it. 
in my heart, this isn't a list that you like play your friends against. This is like the list that you play, like when it's like, oh, we got this, this one table, you know, three thousand, three thousand points, all Lord of Wars, all comers, whatever, play on this table, and then you got this one guy with his warlord, like who wants it? Who wants the warlord? And you have all the guys that are like, all I brought's a warhound. Mm, that thing will kill me, and then I just go up with like terminators, like, hey, I'll take you. Then. Well, this this list should pretty much rape any t- like against a reaver or a warhound. You could probably kill, fuck, fuck, I don't know, three, four, like just they, they're not even close because they're not getting they're not getting the invul save in close combat. Like and it, it, yeah, and, and they're, they're not getting wait, the minuses to to hit either. They're not yeah, well, not as high. They're only fives or sixes, right, or whatever on some of them. But anyway, it would be it would get real ugly real quick for those guys. So, yeah, that's exciting. Okay. But anyway, we got to get on this Alpha Legion list. Yeah. All right. So we got this Alpha Legion list. Came here from Steven. He says, hi, guys. Love the podcast. Good job so far. I also really like those tactic videos. By the way, if you haven't seen the tactic videos he's talking about, it's called Just the Tips with Ryan. Go to warhammer30k.com and go look up Just the Tips. They're pretty sweet videos, especially if you want to learn how to kill a knight. Uh, <laughs> there's definitely a dearth of this type of quality tactic videos on the on the tubes there is definitely a dearth of this type of quality okay 10-4 thought i would send my list in for review so the models i actually own right now are an alpha legion dread with carries and a fist armillus 30 tactical so dynat dynat yeah it's a uh, 30 tacticals all built no guns attached just yet so these could become plasma marines etc a saboteur using the recent anniversary marine, dude. Good job. I, I love seeing those that uh, anniversary marine turn into all these different things. And like, I think one of the saboteurs is like one of the coolest ways to use that model. Yep. Anyway, he's got two rhinos, ten assault marines, Ryan's favorite, an apothecary, five death shroud. Oh, so coils of the hydra. Yep. I wonder if he bought those death shroud like planning to start a death guard army, and then just was like, you know what, faggot. Alpha I don't know. They're one of the better specialty units. He probably was like, I'm doing Alpha Legion just stealing these guys. Like I we see a lot, like around here, the guy that plays Alpha Legion, he owns those, Suzerains, and Fire Drakes. Those are the three units he owns for coils. Beautiful. I love it. So he's got a dread claw. He's got a lightning. He says, A lot of it was made from the Calf box, so I have the two characters, but I'm so, but sold on the dread. And Terminators, but sold on the Dread Terminators? I think he means he sold them. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, because I am on a budget, I do want to use most of these models where possible. I really wanted to run an infantry-heavy force that contains stuff that doesn't get seen too often, thus the Deathstorm and Saboteur. And the... Did he say he had a Deathstorm? Um, I don't... And Here's the thing. You're reading this email, the copy that you sent me. Uh-huh. I don't have all this information, like... My, I must have got the abbreviated version. I'm missing all this. So I didn't see. Anyway, we'll get there. When I read the list, maybe there's some info I guess I was missing because I didn't put the Death Storm back in the list. So I, I didn't even see a Death Storm in the original list. Okay. But anyway. anyway, yeah. The 3K level of the army would add in Alpharius for extra shenanigans. I have renamed all the character units at this point, but I haven't gotten very much background fluff written down. Here's a list. I'll put a little rundown at the bottom. So the Resonant Gill. 
I've already renamed his saboteur, by the way. I gave him a different name. We'll get there. It'll be funny. He'll like it. So you have all these, like, all the names, like his original list, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So his original list looks like Abastanis is the Harrow Master of the Resonant Gill. That's Dynat. Yep. Resonant uh, Guile. The Guile. Guile? Yep. Guile. Resonant Guile. Gizlane, leader of the hand, that's his vigilator, and scout armor, bolt pistol, power weapon, he's got the axe, meltabonds, combat shield, and jump pack. Okay. Vigilator and scout armor and the We talked it we talked about this last week. Guess that's coming out of the list. Well my list, but we'll talk about why and all that. <laughs> Red Vein, the hidden blade. That's his saboteur with a combi whelp weapon that's going with Melta. Combi Melta. Is Alpha Squad, which is a 10 tactical marine squad with a tactical squadron with a power weapon and melt bombs, nine tactical marines, and they're in a rhino with a pistol mounted multi melter. And then Beta Squad, same loadout. He's got the hand of Abastanis, 15 assault marines, assault sergeant with artificer armor and power weapon, 14 assault marines with, and three of them have power weapons, combat shield, and melt bombs. And Apothecarium Detachment, and that's going to be Permnissus. That's his Apothecary. He's put it, he threw a jump pack on that bad boy. Vast Rain, the Perdition. That's his Contemptor Dreadnought. And with Carry's Pattern Assault Cannon. The Veil of Tears. That's his four Death Shroud Terminators. With the Nail, which is the Ambulance Dreadpod. The Death Shroud have Melted Bombs, too. Oh, yeah. Death Shroud have Melted Bombs. So they're mounted up in that Anvilus, the nail. Heaven's Wrath, which is a Primaris Lightning Strike Fighter with uh, two heavy or two Kraken Penetrator heavy missiles, battle server to control, and ground tracking auguries. So four missiles altogether. God and Omega, which is ten seekers, with nine of them having combi weapon plasma. Which I think they yep. all come with, yeah. Death's First Touch, which is his Death Storm Drop Pod. Five Death Storm Crack Launchers, Drop Pod Assault. So that's 2,500 points. Basically, says Dynat goes with the Dress Stroud and the Dread Claw. The Vigilator goes with the Assault Marines as he grants move through cover, Scout, and he has a Chameleon Cloak, which grants them all plus one to their cover save. Uh, that's pretty nice. Uh, the Apothecary also goes in there. All power weapons and our axes for Termi Killing Power. There's a very large amount of attacks in this squad, so I would hope to wiggle them down a little... I guess he might whittle them down a little bit before they kill a bunch of the squad, and then the axes first them off. So the rhinos have that sweet new multi-melta to make them a threat, and the sergeants, the seat gents, are basically a threat to anything as well. What does he mean, the seat gents? Seekers? Know. Maybe that's what he means. The seat gents? It probably auto-corrected something. I don't know. No, he's got something describing the Seekers down here. But well, it's all right. A note on the saboteur in this army. I don't know how he will perform exactly, but the idea would be the following. Turn two, he comes in and sabotages a Spartan and destroys it. That is best-case scenario. <laughs> Just... Yeah. Yeah. But uh, he is also on the on this turn. Kami melts another tank and destroys that. Turn three, he then charges the third tank and destroys it with melted bombs. Would be yeah. so funny if that ever happened, and I dream of that day, except it's fairly unlikely, although having Dynat around really increases the chances. Yeah, yes, it does. Dynat gets plus one to the vehicle 
damage table. Yes. Uh, in the enemy deployment zone, right? Yes. So, absolutely, if that ever happens, you owe us, like, a picture or something. I got to know. Like, it's got to be... Yeah. We, we got to know that day that happens. But I'm glad you, you're equally as uh, pessimistic about that happening as we are. But, you know, I would hope... It I know, does. I know. Well, we'll get to the list I wrote for him, but I can guarantee one-third of that 100% of the time. Love it. So... And on to the Seekers. He says, God damn, I wish I had Headhunters were any... Oh, God damn, I wish Headhunters were any good. Dude, just model up your Seekers as Headhunters, bro. Uh, use Dynat's Warlord trait to deep strike into tactical the opponent's Death Star... Oh, to tackle the opponent's Death Star after the Lightning has cracked their transport. So, yeah, I can see that working out for you. Seekers just unload. Uh, it's really aiming for two beta strikes as it were i am worried that my reserve rolls will defeat me though and the fact that i only have two paws to sort of is sort of inefficient how would you guys change it to be a little bit more reliable cheers gents steve all right dude so all right so this is the list i wrote and sorry steve like we can i can email me if you don't like this list i'll write another one for whatever reason the email i got forwarded to me didn't have some of that information so, like, I had the actual his list, but not a lot of the, I'm on a budget, I definitely want to run this, that type of stuff. Tab so, 4. So, just throwing that out there. So, I did keep a lot of it, though. So, the list I wrote still keeps Dynat as the HQ. Um, I got rid of the, uh, what's his face, the Vigilator guy, because, once again, he's putting him with this assault unit. You can automatically choose infiltrate with these guys so they're likely to already have infiltrate these jump pack guys or be deep striking or whatever so once again why do you need this six inch scout move you can't assault after you scout so it does you no good you're basically just starting super close without the ability to assault so i don't really see the point spending an extra 130 points to get six inches of redeployment yeah exactly i and, and the guy the, the other problem I have with it is he's a four-up armor save because he's in scout armor, and he gave him a power axe, so he's swinging last. So you very likely could just get tooled by a tactical sergeant with a chainsword before you fight. That's true. Yeah. It's a 50% chance. <laughs> so not a fan. I'm just not a fan of that guy. Um, so I put in, instead of that, I because he, he said he wanted to run units and he never sees ran, you know, Maybe people don't run them. Um, and I thought this would be a cool conversion opportunity. I put Exodus in the list, the other Alpha Legion character. I think Exodus is cool, and it's fluffy, and it seems to fit the fluff for his list. Um, and he's not that expensive. He's 115 points. And if he doesn't like Exodus or thinks it underperforms, 115 points is the exact same cost as a Scorpus Whirlwind. So just switching for a Scorpus Whirlwind. Can't go wrong. No, can never go wrong with a Scorpus Whirlwind. So, uh, is Exodus? This is actually just kind of off the beaten track here. Is uh, is Exodus a special character, or is that like a model a, you get to take? He's a special character. Okay, all right. He's like the other Alpha Legion special character. He's 115 points. He's a basically a Centurion stat line, but he's ballistic skill six, and he's got three wounds. So he's weapon skill five, ballistic skill six, strength four, tough four, wounds three, initiative five. Two base attacks. Actually, he's lower attacks in the Centurion. He's kind of weird. 
Leadership 9, 3 plus armor. He's got power armor, crack grenades, venom spears, melt bombs, power dagger, bolt pistol, the instrument, which is his sniper rifle, and cameo line, which gives him uh, stealth. And then his special rules are uh, independent character, infiltrate, move through cover, scout, lone killer, assassin shot, cute senses, and it will not die. Yeah, that's pretty solid. And then his gun is pretty cool. You can shoot it rapid fire, and it becomes um, strength 5, AP 4, salvo 2-4 with rending. Or you can shoot an execution shot, which is range 36, strength 6, AP 3, heavy 1, rending, lethal ignores cover. So lethal is the attack inflicts two wounds instead of one, if you do a wound. And he's got a special rule called assassin shot. On any to hit rule of a four plus, um, Exodus, the Exodus controlling player can choose which enemy model is hit rather than using the normal procedure for assigning hits and saves. So long as the chosen model is within line of sight. Wow. So that's pretty cool with his good sniper rifle. I just thought it was neat. It was fluffy. It'll give him an opportunity to uh, convert a cool model, and it's something that not a lot of people run, which kind of fit the criteria that I did get. And then, like I said, if he doesn't want to, it's the exact same points as a Scorpus. There's empty uh, heavy support slots in the list I built, so just take a Scorpus instead. Do it. So his saboteur, I renamed his his saboteur Sneaky Steve. Sneaky Steve? Because this guy's name is Steve that wanted me to write the list, and you got to have a model to represent yourself. So yeah. you got to make yourself the saboteur model because it's hilarious. So call your saboteur Sneaky Steve and just be like, This is Sneaky Steve. And every time he kills something, you got to like put a puree seal on him, like make it a big thing. It'll be hilarious. Like <laughs> all, all your buddies, because like the guy will inevitably at some point really fuck something up and really overperform. And then you could be like, Yeah, I'll see Sneaky Steve. And then all your friends will be like, I hate Sneaky Steve. It'd be hilarious. It's funny because he has all these like cool names, like the hat and the hand of Absistanis and Beta Oh, yeah. Squad. You got to keep all that. Keep all that so it's hardcore. But then you got to have Sneaky, Sneaky Steve. Steve. And then everybody in the, like, everybody else in the rest of the army, because this guy's like runs around on his own, right? Yep. Because no one else trusts him. Like, even the Alpha Legion are like, man, we can't trust Sneaky Steve. Like, you know, he's like, he's always tipping you over when you're in the Portageon or, you know, putting like hot sauce on your hamburger when you're not looking things like that you put your bowl, hand in a war, bowl of warm water at parties drawing on you with markers when you're drunk shit like that you just can't trust sneaky steve you know what i mean he'll fuck you up though you oh yeah for you sure. can't say anything about him because he'll fuck you up right so here's the thing so sneaky steve i have him armed the exact same way that he has him armed but always ask your friends they're going to tell you no once they know what you're doing but it you can get them at least a couple times with Sneaky Steve. You say, hey, man, do you care if we run relics in this game? And at some point, somebody's going to go, no, man, I don't care if we use relics. You put the uh, generic relic, the combat augment array, on Sneaky Steve. So the combat augment array is at any point during the game when that, guy, when that character is supposed to roll a dice, you can just make it a six automatically. So when he comes in from reserve and you do an automatic AP2 penetrating hit to a vehicle, you go, oh, I think I want to use my combat augury array. I'll make this a six, which then becomes a seven, which is an automatic explosive result. Gaboosh! <laughs> Just... <laughs> Damn it, Sneaky Steve! <laughs> so it's like, oh, cool Spartan, bro. Well, my guy came in from reserve. It, it explodes. 
Like, I don't know. Sneaky Steve. So, actually, it's kind of a dick move, but it's, I don't know. If you just have one of those friends, like, I like I have friends where you're just really mean to each other, but you're friends. That type of thing. That's the t- t- definitely the prime target for something like that. But just throwing that out there. Don't take that to an event or play somebody you don't know with that. That's really stupid. I would be upset. So, but anyway, you can't do that. Just throwing that out there. You shouldn't do it, but you can't do it. Um, so for troops, I got a, a 10 man tactical squad. The Sergeant has melted bombs and he has a dedicated Rhino with a uh, pinnel mounted, multi-melted dozer blade. So kind of like one of his squads. Then I have a, a second tactical squad um, tin man with melt bombs, but I bought these guys, uh, the additional close combat weapons. So they're going to be three attacks a piece on the charge. And Same I put point. them, I put them in a dread claw that you buy as fast attack. So Makes they'll sense. be able to come in, hang out on a turn and then assault out of, it. um, they'll be good for like killing quad mortars, things like that. Like shit, you know, even, even with crack grenades, if somebody has a Medusa battery, you drop that dread claw close, survive a turn and then, you know, get rid of them. Pretty, like crazy. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, then I, I kept his assault marine squad. It's a 15-man assault marine squad. The sergeant has artificer armor, melt-a-bombs. Now, I, I, I changed his close combat armament. I gave him a single lightning claw and a power dagger. So they're both specialist weapons, so you're basically getting the bonus for having two lightning claws with way cheaper points cost because the power dagger is only five points. All day. And the power dagger has rending, so, like, if you fight an AP2 target, you might switch to the Power Dagger and fish for sixes to get rid of them. Yep, for sure. So it gives you, gives you a little bit of options. Um, I still gave them uh, three power weapons of your choice. I did drop the Melt-A-Bombs off of the unit and just gave the Sergeant the Melt-A-Bombs. I don't feel like you need that many Melt-A-Bombs in the Assault Squad because you have so many other things in the Army that can deal with armor. As we go through here, you'll see. I think that that's just you can spend those points better elsewhere you know, just use them and they're still going to be decent. Like they're only not going to be able to kill armor. That's armor 14 all the way around. Like having 14 crack grenades and a single melt bomb on you against like predators is just as bad as having that many melt bombs. It doesn't really matter. So it's, you know what I mean? Like when you have the option of taking other things that kill tanks, it's not always worth it to put melt bombs on every single guy in a big unit like that. Exactly. Yeah. hundred percent. So then for elites, I have his apothecary with the jump pack. I gave him a power dagger. So it's the same guy, that, but just with a power dagger, he'll go with the assault squad. So kind of the same. His contemptor is exactly the same, but I made it a contemptor cordis just to save some points. And then I put it in a dreadnought drop pod. So. Sure. It, yeah. Um, nobody's going to want that in their backfield, so. Makes sense. Right. Plus, it still shoots. So it's the same model. It's just, uh, it's just saving you some points. Gives in you, it, it hurts its durability a little bit. But it's like, you get those extra special rules where you know it's better in assault and all that. And then you put it in the drop pod, which is going to raise its durability back up a little bit. So it kind of equals out. Um, so did that. I got rid of the seekers. So instead of seekers for elites, I took a. 10-man veteran tactical squad. So the sergeant has artificer armor, power dagger, and combi melta. Um, all 10 guys in the unit have melta bombs. Two guys in the squad have melta guns, and the other seven guys have combi meltas. 
And they're going to go with machine destroyers. Okay. Yeah. So this is going to be 10 melta shots with machine destroyer. So you're going to attach these guys to Dynat because Dynat, him and any unit he's attached to can deep strike, like he said, with the warlord trait. And he gets to reroll scatter when he deep strikes. So you can kind of be risky with these guys. And if you screw it up, you can reroll it. Dynat also has a Cogna Signum. So he can make these guys BS5. And then he also adds plus one to the vehicle damage table, which is going to make these guys plus three to the vehicle damage table with essentially strength nine melta guns. Brilliant. That are BS5. And they're cheaper than Seekers. And they are still scoring because they're still implacable advance. Uh, and uh, they're still going to end up being BS5 because of the Cognos Signum. And they're way better in close combat because they're three attacks base as opposed to one. And you have no need to pick a unit or anything like that. Right. And these guys, even though you're not, yeah, you don't need to do all that with the seeker stuff. Even though these guys, um, don't, they, they, uh, what was I going to say? So once, even when they shoot off all the combi melters, you're still going to have two melta guns and the melta bombs. And the Machine Destroyer rule and Dynat's rule still work on the Melt Bombs. So you're still, they're still going to, they're going to, the gift that keeps on giving as opposed to the Seekers that come in, shoot all the combi weapons, and then have bolt guns. Yep. So now you have your and, Strength 9 Melt Guns running around. and Right. And then if you, if they don't have any vehicles that are worth destroying and you still want to shoot their Death Star unit, like with the Plasma Guns, the guys with the Melt Guns are going to be just as good because most Marines are tough four. So instead of worrying about like inflicting tons of wounds for them to save against. If they have any two wound models like Death Shroud or Fire Drakes or anything like that, you're just doubling them out as opposed to having to do two wounds with Plasma. And same thing if you hit characters with it, like if they have their Praetor and mess up one save, you're removing the whole guy. And it also ignores Feel No Pain on a lot of units where Plasma doesn't. So this is going to be, in my opinion, pretty much just as destructive as the Plasma would have been anyway, even against infantry. Yep, all day. So I, I like that switch, and you can basically use the same models to switch the guns. Um, I was able, because of saving points, to take that Death Shroud squad and make it five-man. So it's the same squad. Um, five Death Shroud Terminators with Melt-A-Bombs, and they go in a Dread Claw. So he's going to have to get a second Dread Claw. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. So Or just convert one, either way. Yeah, whatever. So, so then for Fast Attack, it's the two Dread Claws. The one Dread Claw for the Tactical Squad and the other Dread Claw for the Terminators. The reason I did that is because now you have three drop pods in the army. You have the two Dread Claws and the um, the Dreadnought drop pod. So you can uh, decide what order. You'll probably want to do the Death Shrouds and um, you do the Death Shrouds first turn, and then you can decide whether you need that uh, Contemptor or the Tacticals turn, you know, on turn one and then the other one stays in reserve then for third fast attack slot just because once again i saved him a bunch of points just by changing things so you had extra points um i took a javelin speeder squadron of two javelins and they have cyclone missile launchers and multi-meltas they're cool because they can outflank or deep strike it kind of fits the theme of what he's doing with the army where everything is outflank deep strike whatever it seems like a very alpha legion unit oh yeah um and then because there's now three fast attacks in this army, he can't use the lightning technically, like as a fast attack slot. 
So he can either stick with the lightning and just run it as a Lord of War using suborbital strike wing. Right. Same, you know, same loadout or for the exact same points as the lightning, you could take a fire Raptor that has auto cannon batteries and hell strikes as a heavy support. Yeah. And and I don't what go ahead. I don't see the point of the lightning anymore. With Dynat deep striking with the seeker or with the the veterans now, right? And so, like in in this list that I wrote for him, you got the javelins with the missile launchers and multi meltas. That's pretty good anti tank. Then you have the death shroud assaulting out of a dread claw with melta bombs. Pretty good anti tank. You have the veteran squad with all the melta guns and melta bombs. So that's good anti tank. You have the drop pod that can assault with strength ten power fist out of its drop pod. That's good anti tank. You have the assault marines that are going to be good light medium anti tank pushing forward, and then you have your two tactical squads that you have sneaky Steve coming in, <laughs> you know maybe blowing up some tanks, um, all that, and then you can either have like I said Exodus or swap for a Scorpus. Scorpus will kill tanks and stuff too. So I actually think the Fire Raptor fits better in the list and gives makes the list more well rounded, and it's going to maintain its firepower over the course of the game and be way more durable than the Lightning. Yep. But I did put a little, so I'll read the little thing that I wrote at the end of this. So you could take the list above and swap the Cortis for a dual carries Mortis and get rid of the Dreadnought Drop Pod if he wants to save money, real life money. Then get rid of the Dread Claw for the Tactical Marines because then you'll just go back to one Drop Pod so you don't have to worry about having an odd number of Drop Pods. And then take away their extra close combat weapons and put them back in the Rhino. So you can go back to basically get rid of one of the Dread Calls and the Dreadnought Drop Pod to save some money, source an extra assault cannon for the Dreadnought, put it on there, make it a Mortis. Um, this gives you an extra 150 points. You could then take a Scorpus or a second Scorpus if you... Swapped it out at the beginning. Swapped out at the beginning. Or a Plasma Predator or a Vindicator with a Turbo Laser Destroyer. Um, it also frees up a fast attack slot for you to swap the Fire Raptor back out for the Lightning without taking up your Lord of War slot. So, either way, like, I think I covered all bases with that little paragraph at the end. Yeah, for sure. So, I didn't realize it, because I didn't, like I said, I didn't get all the information, but, with like, in my head when you started reading that, I was sort of, like, panicking. I'm like, well, I wrote this guy. <laughs> but then I, I must have covered my own ass here at the end. So... It gives him a couple different options. Uh, I think I sent this to you if you want to forward it to him, um, so he has, so he actually has the written list, so he doesn't have to, you know, listen to this nine trillion times and get super annoyed with my voice yelling into the microphone. Um, that should work for him. And uh, this is like a this is a exactly twenty five points, uh, twenty five hundred points. If he does the swap out, like I said at the end, by you know, making it a, care, uh, a, a mortis, dual carries mortis, and getting rid of the dreadnought drop pod, getting rid of the dread call, putting the tactical marines back in the rhino, that 150 points, you can do a lot of things with that. Like I said, I gave him some options there, but he could do whatever. But I pretty much stuck to the core of his list. The only thing that I felt like that he needed to get rid of that I wouldn't run personally is the Deathstorm drop pod or that... um uh, whatever he is, the Vigilator with the jump pack, which, I mean, Exodus is kind of a Vigilator. I kind of replaced it. I think it's fluffier and cooler. The guy with the jump pack, I guess he's, 
you know, he's trying to get that scout move, which, like I said, I don't really think is a big deal. And then I guess with the cameo line, he's giving him stealth. But the way I look at it is you're going to have stealth 50% of the time anyway because of night fight, and it doesn't stack because you can't because they're both giving you stealth. You only get one instance of it. And the way night fight works is you actually just ask your opponent before the game begins. If you both agree that you want night fight, it's automatically night fight. You don't have to roll. So it's really more than 50% of the time because if you want it to be night fight, you just ask your opponent, hey, do you care if it's night fight? And a lot of the times most people go, no, I don't care. And then if, even if they do, you roll off and it's still going to be 50%. So I just don't really think that spending that 130 points for that guy is the greatest. You know what I mean? I don't really think he adds anything to the army, I guess. No, yeah. Solid solid opinion, dude. Hands down. I I, I could see where like you could want to do some like sneaky things with him, but like He's not gonna be that much like even if you just wanted to like do some sneaky things and maybe be kind of fun or whatever, Exodus is more fun and more sneaky. Exactly. That's and then if you want if you want to be competitive that 130 points is way better off being a Scorpus Whirlwind, Plasma Predator, a Vindicator with Laser Destroyer, or something like that. All day. I feel it. Yeah. I'm the so, same boat, buddy. The, the Death Storm, I just don't like it. They don't ever... I've had it played against me. I've tried to use it. It's just not very good. You can get the exact same thing for like 80 points in 40k, and nobody runs them in 40k at 80 points, so I'm certainly not running it for 145. Like... I, I just not, not a fan. You don't. It drops in. It does its one thing. It has shit ballistic skill. It typically doesn't do much, and then it just gets assaulted. Like everybody has like bullshit units that are only in the army because they have to be in there, like ta- basic tacticals or whatever. Those guys just run over and clap a bunch of crack grenades on it and blow it up all day. So I just it doesn't really do anything. It's not. You'll run it a couple times and. I don't know. Like, maybe every once in a while it'll do something super epic or whatever. I don't know. I don't really like it. The only funny thing I've ever seen with one is when Pretty's mishapped and we got to place it, so we placed it in the middle of his army <laughs> instead of being on ours. Like, But, it, I mean, once again, it didn't really do anything. It was just kind of like, ha-ha, you know, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen happen with the Death Storm is it mishap and be, being able to blow your own guys up with it. I could see it. Uh, I could see it doing really well if you have an army that deep strikes something very valuable in the enemy deployment zone already. Like if you have, if you're running a Leviathan and a Death Storm together, and you just so happen to get them both down first turn, that's a. I, I guess this is the way I look at it: a ten-man naked tactical squad is one twenty-five, and you can buy them a normal drop pod for thirty-five points. Uh huh. Those 10 tactical marines in a drop pod is more valuable for like within 10 points than that death storm is. And because you only get half your drop pods turn one or you're buying drop pods to get the other half of your shit in, you'd be way better off just buying more tacticals and putting them in a drop pod than you ever are running a death storm. That's fair enough. That's a valid point. That's a very strong point. I mean, I just, I see zero point in taking it. Like literally zero. Like I, like if you if you ever like hey i wanted to no just stop just take a normal it's the same it's way cheaper it's not a forge world kit you just buy a normal <laughs> drop pod and put tactical guys in it i guess to non like analytical thinkers like yourself it's a uh, it's a it's a fear like it's a fear from it but 
I don't know. It's just it's just not that it's not that great. It always underperforms. Doesn't score. It's easy to kill. You know what I mean? It's just like it's already a mobile. So even like you know even if you don't have something AP two to get an explodes result, if you hit on a mobile result, it strips two whole points off of it instead yeah. of one. So it die. It just dies. It's super easy. Like the nature of it is, it has to drop in the middle of the army to get maximum effect, and then. The drawback is it's in the middle of the army, and then you assault it. It's a mobile, so you auto hit it, and it's only arm. It's armor twelve open topped. That's already a mobile, so it's like so easy to kill. So it usually comes in, does its thing, and dies. And the odds of it killing one hundred and forty five points worth of shit before it it gets tooled by like anything in the game are pretty damn slim. Yeah, that's pretty fair. The only like armies I can see, I've seen people be sneaky with it, which are still better things. But like ultramarines, it counts as a ultramarine unit for purposes of putting hits on things, so that other units get bonuses when shooting at the same targets. So you can drop it in, hit multiple things with it, so that a lot of your army gets a bonus when also shooting at those things. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. Absolutely. So I, I can justify it a little there, but once again, okay, just do that, but do it in a charybdis or something like there's other units that do similar shit that shoot at a bunch of targets like a fire raptor well i guess they did change it where flyers can't anyway i don't know i'm just saying like it's really hard to justify taking that thing from any type of competitive standpoint and i don't i guess my thing is it's to me i mean other people might obviously differ opinion wise i don't really think it's that cool it's just like a little drone thing that doesn't move that shoots missiles. Like I would rather have like Marines or like something cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> like even basic Joe Blow tactical Marines are cooler than that. You can name the sergeant and move around. They'll do stuff. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I got this drop pod. I place it, roll two dice, and it sits there the whole game. It's drop pod. Like it's kind of boring to me. I'm going to buy you like five Death Storms for Christmas and just send them to I, you. I own three. I have three. I never play them. I'm just gonna keep sending you more. <laughs> the reason I bought them was because in 40k you can just buy empty drop pods as a fast attack choice for 35 points just to get. So I would run just empty drop pods all the time just to have more drop pods. So I got more shit on turn one of loaded drop pods. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then in 40k you can upgrade your drop pod to have like a missile launcher that's like the same stats as a whirlwind that only shoots. 12 inches for like 10 points or 15 points instead of the bolt gun or instead of the combi bolter in it. Right. So I just would use death storm models to represent the missile launcher instead of the little weedy, you know, missile launcher. Yeah. It just just looked cooler. It was just like a conversion thing that I used it. So I own them, but they're just not, they're not good. That's fair enough. That was a good, a good breakdown of how much you don't like the death storm drop, pod. Yeah, I'm just I'm just not a fan. Like I wish I wish it was like better. You know what I mean? It's a little cool. Like it's the idea behind it of it comes in, sprays this landing zone, and then other things get to come in is pretty rad. But the fact that you have to buy it drop pot assault, like it doesn't come with it, and then you're wasting because of the way drop pot assault works anyway, where you only get half your pods, you're wasting a whole turn where you could put something on the table that's going to do stuff, you know, like set something up or do whatever, you're wasting that on this thing that's just going to come in, kill like three space marines and die. Yeah. I don't know. I don't get it. So that's just me. 
I played this one guy, game. It wasn't too bad. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. great. It underperformed, but yeah. So I don't know. That's just my thing. I mean, he may really like it. I mean, if he really likes it, run it. You could. Uh, it's not that expensive. You could get instead of uh, dropping Exodus for a Scorpus, you could drop Exodus and like one of the javelins or something, and take put the Death Storm back in, or use that run that alternate list that I said, and with that extra hundred and fifty points, put the Death Storm back in. Sounds so. good to me. I mean, it sounds fair enough. Yeah. So anyway, that's that. So there you go, Mister uh, Mister Steve. Mr. Steve Sneaky there. Steve. Hopefully you uh, get your. His name's Steven. I don't know if he gets. He likes being called Steve. But, oh, I think he well, just signed off as Steve. All right. Yeah, he did. That's yeah. how I got Sneaky Steve. I saw Sneak Steve, and I seen that he's playing Alpha Legion, and it immediately went into my head. Sneaky, sneaky Steve. Steve. Are Steve sneaky to you or what? No, it's like Scuba Steve from that Adam Sandler movie, but it's mm-hmm. Sneaky Steve. Like, I don't know. Like, it just clicked in my head that that's a funny name. Sneaky <laughs> Steve. So you had to make him a sneaky I Steve. just imagine, like, because all the, the other thing, like I said, he has all these cool sounding, like, things in his list. So it's funny if there's one guy named Steve. <laughs> and he's sneaky. And he's Alpha Legion and they don't trust him. And he's like the outsider. He's the saboteur guy that they always send on the death mission, but he always survives for whatever reason because he's super sneaky. It's like, God, he lived through another lived through another battle. We just can't get rid of this sneaky Steve guy. That's so funny to me. I don't know why. Like in my head. In my head, I want to start an Alpha Legion army just to have a sneaky Steve now. In my head, I just have this conversation like at a lunchroom. Gislaine, come here. Why, yes, yes, Lord Abstanis. Who's that over there? What, Radvane? No, next to him. Oh, that's Sneaky Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Notice how he got an extra helping of mashed potatoes from the lunch line. (laughs) And then then the the one guy that asked who he was tries to move and his shoelaces are tied together and he falls over. Damn that Sneaky Steve. (laughs) Sneaky Steve got you. But he's all the way over there. (laughs) (laughs) How do you think he got his name, boy? Oh, it's so funny. To <laughs> Welcome me. to the Alpha Legion. Uh, Every anyway. Alpha Legion warband needs a sneaky Steve. <laughs> so, we also got another list in. This is a little bit different. Actually, you got the email. Why don't you? Uh, I think you sent it to me. But why don't? Why don't you? Uh... Okay. Okay. So we got an email from a another Stephen, right? Yes. Right, so there's two Steves, so we got two sneaky. Maybe it's the same sneaky Steve, and he's changing his name because he's Alpha Legion. I've got it. It's a. Uh, I've got it. If you actually, this is no, Stefan. I got it. I got this it right here. Oh, Stefan. Okay. So Stefan, he sent us this. Do we say last names? No last names on the internet. Or do I, we I, ha- I haven't been saying any last names. So. Okay. No last names on the internet. No loose ends. <laughs> uh, so Stefan sent us a. Uh, letter here so i'm going to read some of it um and then we'll skip something but we'll get there in a minute so he says hey just finished listening to the most recent podcast and i thought i'd hit you up for some 40k list advice um i'm building up my 30k thousand sons but while i was at it i figured i'd also be bringing my rather old 40k sorry 40k thousand army up to date that's a good idea you can do both at once now i'm heading to an 1850 tournament on saturday oh shit Oh, never mind. 
we'll, we'll get to why that's a problem in a minute <laughs> without having played a regular fifth edition or not since not having played regularly since fifth edition, the list is attached and you can actually see the army I'm taking here. Well, I haven't sent him the list yet. So here's the thing. I don't play 40K. I've not played 40K in a year and a half. I've never used a formation, like, once. I've played, like... Well, I've, play, I, that's, I've played two 40K games in the last year and a half. They've both been team games, I believe, so I've never, I've not played a one-on-one game. And in neither of those games did I use a formation or fighting. Like, I know nothing. Like, I... You, you would get no good advice out of me for 40K right now. I, I don't know anything so what i did is i forwarded this list to a couple of friends of mine that do very well in 40k tournaments and they actually reviewed your list and changed some things but i haven't sent it back to you yet because i'm waiting on one guy and it's monday that we're now <laughs> you said you're going on saturday late. so we've missed the uh, window but i'll still send it to you in case you go to another event and read what they say i didn't even really read what they changed because like i said i wouldn't understand going from your list to their list, why they changed the things they did anyway. So I didn't look at it that close, but I have, I'm waiting on one guy cause I send it to three different people and um, I was going to send you their advice cause I trust these guys. So I'll send it anyway. I'm sorry. I missed your date. I apologize for that. I just caught that reading it on air. But uh, <laughs> so anyway, he goes on to talk about, fluff and stuff for his uh, 40k army and all that so because it's 30k podcast i won't read all that out um so we'll skip that bit um but he says now on to something completely different he says like i mentioned on facebook i've been reading a thousand uh reading a thousand suns and prospero burns and taking notes on the composition of both 30k suns and wolves i'm almost through prospero burns and so far not a whole lot in the way of info specific on wolf units. I have noted the following, however. So he says there are no long fangs. Only one guy was old enough to count, and he died in Prospero Burns. I think he's the guy, not to get spoilers away, but he's like, has the human guy that's running around with them, the like remembrancer dude. And yeah. they, they tell him, hey, hang back with so-and-so. He's injured. Just hang back with him. And he's like talking to this really old guy, like telling stories. And they eventually come back, and the old the older Space Wolf has died, and they go, well, so-and-so's dead. He's been dead for an hour. And he goes, well, that's that's impossible. I've been talking to him for whatever. It's kind of like a mystical witchy-poo thing. It's pretty cool. So, But anyway, I think that's the guy they're talking about. So he says there are, all, there are also both Rune Priests and Wolf Priests um, in the book. So those kind of share a 40K connection. He says there are also Dreadnoughts, Predators, and Land Raiders are all explicitly mentioned, as well as the usual mix of Flyers, Stormbirds, etc. So it sounds like they're going to have all that. He says big-ass wolves keep getting mentioned. Interestingly, in A Thousand Suns, they talk about them as though everybody can see them, and there's lots of them. It's almost like they're companion animals for senior space wolves, like Weird Make, Rune Priest for Fifth Company. In Prospero Burns, however, the main character, Casper Hauser, that's the guy that hangs, hangs back with the long thing guy, um, who actually lives with the wolves full-time, only ever mentions them as half-seen, wolf-shaped shadows. Given that the sun's tutelaries, the wolves obviously... Wait, given that the sun's tutelaries and the wolves obviously saw and reacted to each other, the suns could see them, 
and that Hauser could not, I'm wondering if the wolves are actually some type of psychic manifestation of some kind. It's actually kind of a cool theory. I, I like it. Like I like Yeah. So is it the wolves the space wolves that see them as wolves or the thousand suns that sees them as wolves? Let, let me get through the I only got a couple lines and then we'll talk about the okay. so let me we'll come back to that. So he says yeah, so you're wondering if there's psychic manifestations of some, some kind. So maybe the wolves maybe they're the equivalent of space wolves tutelaries, but they don't see them or interact with them like thousand suns do. They're they are obviously real physical big-ass wolves that have shown up in the game over the years, but that's nowhere near the kind of numbers implied in A Thousand Suns. So he sent us this because we were doing the thousand, the Space Wolf Breakdown, the one guy asked us to speculate. Right. So he kind of did like did some um, homework for us, I guess, because he was already listening to the books, which was really nice of him. So he says, I hope this helps, and thanks for any advice on the Thousand Suns list. I'm sorry I dropped the ball on that. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan. So... But anyway, I, like I said, I, I did do my best. I, I couldn't give you any advice anyway. Um, I didn't hear back from my friends until Thursday or Friday, so I doubt you would have had time to switch things up overnight anyway. But I'll still forward the list. So getting back to what he said about... So I get what he's saying. So in the Space Wolf version of things, like, so I think, I think Dan Abnett wrote one book and Graham McNeil wrote the other. I can't right. remember who, which one. Can you look that up? Yeah, sure. So I think Abnett wrote Thousand Sons and Graham McNeil wrote the Space Wolf one, if I remember right. So what you could have is you could have one or the other guy kind of going rogue and changing things or maybe not doing homework as well as they should have, talking to the other writer or just having a different writing style. That could be a possibility. Graham McNeil wrote Thousand Sons. Okay. And then Dan Abnett wrote the Space Wolf one, right? And Dan Abnett wrote Prospero. Yeah, I knew, I knew they, they wrote them. I couldn't remember which one wrote which. Um, so you could just have that. It could just be a different in author, you know, kind of what they were trying to do with it or whatever. Um, but I, I kind of, now that he brings that up, I remember that where, but... I want to say like Casper Hauser, he lands on the planet and they're like over the course of like to him, it seems like a short period of time, but he's really on the planet for like 50, 60 years. And that whole time they're like doing all these surgeries on him and they take his eye out and replace it and do this other crazy stuff. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. And he's like the guys that are holding him down are these weird, like shaman pre servitor guys with like wolf mask. Yeah. And then, like, he, when he's going through the Citadel, like he said, he glimpsed, like, all these, like, half-seen shadows of wolves. Oh, yeah, and they, they weren't full. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to say, like, honestly, like, I want to say, man, it's been so long since I read Battle of the Fang, but I want to say that uh, uh, the same thing happens in Battle of the Fang. Like, I want to say there's, like, they, they're they seeing glimpses of wolves everywhere. Is Who wrote Battle of the Fang? So, anyway, that's that's kind of a cool thing. Like, maybe the space wolves, just, like, in the warp, they are making, sure. like like he said, like, essentially, you know, tutelaries or whatever, because they don't see them and interact with them, they're not, they don't communicate with them, you know. But it's also kind of plays into how the thousand sons maybe see them as like 
hypocritical on you know them they because the they use their uh their rune priests or whatever but they like try to pretend like they're not you know psychers like thousand sons have type of thing like that they're different which they are sort of different like they kind of place material uh because they put ritual and material um like real world bindings to it like perform it like a ritual and treat it as like a physical thing instead of a immaterial thing right they're safer about how they do it and it puts limitations on it where the thousand sons are kind of like shooting from the ritual (laughs) yeah well like shooting from the hip and like treating it as like very witchy poo which is more dangerous more you know whatever like harry harry potter like having their sweaters being knit like as they're just like walking around the house like full-fledged like right they they don't see it as dangerous for the space was respected as dangerous and they have all this ritual and things tied to it to make you aware of that it's safe and put limitations on it where the thousand sons kind of don't exactly i get it so the thousand sons see them as hypocritical for using it at all but then condemning them where the space wolves see it as black black white (laughs) yeah like yeah well it's not the same because we do this you're doing this it's different that type of argument so anyway it's a cool cool email I'll still forward those 40k lists. Uh, I'll get on uh, the guy that's not sent the list ass and get him to send it, and I'll forward you the 40k stuff. Like I said, I wouldn't have been any help to you anyway because um, I don't know anything about 40k. So, so sounds good, man. I'm glad that you went out of your way to just uh, still try and get his list reviewed by some of your boys. And you- yeah, well, I mean, I, it's not hard. I was just like, I called, you know, called a couple guys and was like, hey, man, I got this. Uh, email he wants me to go over 40k list we're 30k podcast i only play 30k anymore um but i trust you guys you guys you know win a lot of local events do you mind looking it over and we actually have a guy that plays in 40k his two armies are necrons which is like his really super cheesy beard tournament army and then for his like more fun army he actually plays thousand sons like a like an all thousand sons list which is what this guy's doing so he's one of the guys i ask so Anyway, I'll get I'll get the list forward to him, even though it's too late. Sorry about that. Sorry, sorry, Stefan. But thank you for going over uh, Prospero Burns and uh, and Thousand Sun for us. We yep. really did need that insight. Yeah. And then there was something else you wanted to talk about. Okay, so check this out. Do you remember last year at Adepticon, we were one heavy, one heavy player that played Infinity, didn't play 30K, named Aaron? Yes, okay. and I think I talked to him a little bit about that. He got in on that uh, Arena Rex game with you yes. guys, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Okay, so we got Aaron, all right? And it just so happened, like, he is, like, dedicated to not playing 30K just because he didn't want to spend the money and all that jazz. He, he was a pretty big 40K player. He's got a Minotaur's army, and he has a Space Wolf army, but he hasn't played it for a while. Well, here recently, uh, this actually this past Friday... Me and Josh, we were we were all at Josh's shop. Me, Josh, and Aaron were at Josh's shop. I was picking up some cups, and he was, uh, you know, chatting. And of course, the conversation was pushed into the thirty k realm because that's all we really talk about. We don't really have anything else we talk about. So, 
conversation came up for Adepticon. Conversation came up to Aaron. And uh, so I think now Josh and Aaron are going to work out a deal where Josh is going to get some Minotaurs and Aaron's going to get some Kalth boxes. Mm. Here's the thing. Aaron wants to build an Alpha Legion army, right? Okay. He wants to take Coils of the Hydra. Okay. And he wants to take Tyrants, Tyrant Terminators. Okay. And he wants it to be a 2,500-point list. And he wants to think about, you know, what are some units that he should pick? And he wants to go all Phosphex. Like, everything, he wants Phosphex everywhere. Well, he'd fit in at our meta. Uh, (laughs) Well, that's easy. I mean, you take... um, well, you want to take a Siege Breaker with Tyrants anyway to give him Tank Hunter. All day. Right? Everybody does that. And then Dynat in the Th- unit then, to Well, but here's the... Th- oh. oh. Well, you could do that. You could do that. But because Alpha Legion... um, You can give everybody Infiltrate. You'd right. be better off Infiltrating because they have to place all their shit. So even if you don't actually place them any closer to the opponent, you still get to place them after they put everything out, whether yeah. you're going first or second. And so, and then if they screw up and they give you space to do it and there's like some big piece of line of sight blocking terrain in their deployment zone, you can always do the super dirty thing and like pack them in behind like a line of sight blocking building in the corner of their deployment zone or something that they didn't place any models if you want to. You know what? I just realized, and this is kind of going off the, do quad mortars get to infiltrate? Yes. They okay. Because well, I know this Raven. I, yeah, Raven Guard with rapier batteries. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's kind of what what I was wondering. Oh, real quick. This is very out of sequence, but hopefully the guys that listen to our army list thing are still listening now. That list I wrote for Steve. This is relevant because it comes back up. This Alpha Legion list I wrote for this episode. Which um, what'd you say this guy's name was? Your buddy. Uh, Aaron is Aaron. Aaron, hopefully you can at least get him to listen to this episode because we oh, yeah, talk that, about that's, that's the idea. Yeah, right. So this list I wrote for Sneaky Steve, um, I wrote the list where because everything in the initial list I wrote like either has deep strike or whatever, it, none of this is dependent on infiltrate. So he can actually use like mutable tactics because coil the Hydra requires everything to have infiltrate or deep strike. So I made sure everything that I put in the list is legal for Coils of the Hydra without forcing him to take Infiltrate as his mutable tactic. Okay. So he can if he wants, but he can also choose Tank Hunter and give this entire army Tank Hunter, which once again goes back to those Meltagun guys being better than the Plasma Gun guys. All day. Because they're going to go Tank Hunter plus three to the damage table, Ballistic Skill 5. You see what I'm saying? Like... Strength nine, destructive total destroyers. Yeah, same thing. Be, you know, with all the other units, so it allows him more options, is what I'm saying. So that's the other thing to keep in mind with this Alpha Legion list that I went over earlier in the show is you still get full use of your mutable tactics while still being coils of the Hydra legal all day. So, but anyway, getting back to this. So yeah, like, so you. If he wants to go Phosphatex, you have to take a Siege Breaker, which you want to take anyway to give those guys Tank Hunter. Then you don't have to Deep Strike them if you don't want to. Like, there's really, like, they shoot so far and you have Infiltrate, you can start them fairly close anyway. 
you know, and then still shoot. And as you're walking in, you're dumping missiles into them, you know, while getting closer. And you should already start closer with um, the uh, infiltrate. Yeah. So as far as, like, he wants to run max Phosphex, well, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm recommending this, but... <laughs> so you're going to have three open elite slots. You could just totally max out quad mortars. I mean, it's not... I mean, Phosphex quad mortars... Okay, so if you take everything... I mean, obviously, there's a little bit of a paper, rock, scissors thing. So when somebody goes, well, what's the best unit in the game? It's kind of hard to say because you're like, well, it's really this, but this, like... Then when they run into this, there's a hard counter for it type thing. There's really nothing there's not a counter for. Right. All that being said, the thing that is the most, we'll call it the most points efficient. Like if you're just going for pure points efficiency, if you're looking at things on paper and you look at all the variables that you really can't include, you're just looking at this is what it costs. This is the destructive potential of it. This is the range that it does that at. This is the turn that it can begin inflicting that damage and this is how hard it is to remove due to its defensive capabilities quad mortars with phosphex are bar none the most points efficient thing in the game just the ability let's forget for a minute that they're ap3 poison 3 plus let's forget that just the ability to reposition the template two inches on a multiple barrage weapon that just flips off the original blast is worth the 20 point upgrade. Yep. Because so you place that first because you have to put the center hole of the first marker when you place it over an actual model. So let's pretend I've spaced my guys out perfectly in a grid pattern where they're all two inches apart. Well, you have an inch and a half blast marker, you're only going to be able to get one guy. Right? Exactly. Well, yeah. the problem is with phosphex, you can just reposition it. So say I roll a hit and you're like, oh cool, you only get one guy. Space my guys out. Nah, wrong. I get to move it into the empty void in between models, which <laughs> is normally illegal because it's phosphex and I get to move it two inches and I am going to end up getting two or three models. And then when I flip the template, because it's flipping off that original template and it's an inch and a half template and it just flips off, I then get to reposition that two inches in any direction. So guess what I get to do? I get to do the same thing. It's like you never miss with it. It never misses. You're always getting maximum hits then on top of it it's poison three plus ap3 it's r ridiculous it honestly is and the fact that it doesn't need line of sight it, it, you know and then it's on this tough seven model that you can stick in ruins you know that's <laughs> getting a four cover save and it you know it's like a whole whopping like 80 or 90 points, whatever it is with the upgrade. I think they're 60 points plus 20 points for Phosphex, so they're 80 points, which is like total, like you're stealing. You're stealing. <laughs> you're stealing from the game. <sighs> so bad. Like, and it, it's right from turn one, you're getting shot in the face with this. You know what I mean? Because it comes with it comes with the normal rounds. So the normal rounds shoot 60 inches, right? The Phosphex only shoots 36, but the normal rounds shoot 60. So even if they deploy way back, you're running like hammer and anvil and they start all their shit on the back. It doesn't matter. Like, you're still going to be able to shoot them with this stupid quad mortar. <laughs> and 
it, you don't need line of sight because it's a barrage and all that. Like, it's bullshit. It's kind of like, I don't know. It's it's one of those things. Like, that's why I get I get so riled up when people call other shit cheesy. And it's usually the same people that do that have like six of these in their army. <laughs> it's like, I don't go fuck yourself, dude. Like, don't don't even mention, you know, fire drakes or my assault cannons or any like keep that out of your mouth. Like while you have phosphex quad mortars in your army, you're not allowed to complain about anything like at all. That's that's all I'm saying. So, I mean, if he's wanting to run max phosphex, that's the way to do it. Three batteries of three quad mortars. And then use your fourth elite slot on the coils of the Hydra Sea Tyrant. Mm. See, that's the other crazy thing. Because your coils of the Hydra unit, you're stealing a unit from another Legion, right? Right. So normally, those guys are heavy support. But your coils of the Hydra unit always is elite. So you're getting a heavy support unit as an elite, where you have more elite slots than heavy. So you're not only are you getting the advantage of stealing... Tyrant Terminators, and then giving them better Legion traits, in my opinion, because they get mutable tactics and all that. But you're also putting them in a slot that's not as crowded. Yep. So the I only problem I have with the, the Tyrant Siege guys is they don't score. They used to have implacable advance, and they took it away. Yeah, they need it back. If, if he's more. wanting to go with that theme of Phosphex and Blast Markers. You could still Grave Wardens. Those guys are cheesy as shit. They shoot a bunch of poison blast markers. Fits the theme in the army better. Yeah, I think he was going to do, like, Medusas with Phosphex. And... The only problem with that is, the way I understand it, is it literally replaces the Siege Round. So you no longer get the Strength 10. You only get the Phosphex. So it takes away their anti-tank. I could be wrong about that. But when you look at quad mortars, it specifically states it upgrades and you can swap between where the Medusas just say, I think it says replace, it says replace their whatever rounds. I don't have my book in front of me. You can look that up. I gotcha. So you're kind of, um, yeah, so I don't know, but yeah, you could do that. I mean, you could run Medusas as your heavy and then run the siege breaker with the, the tyrants. And then, like you said, you could even deep strike those guys with Dynat. And then if you take a siege breaker, he can buy phosphex bombs, right? I believe so. Yeah. So if you deep strike them with phosphex bomb, like you can deep strike them with Dynat, then reroll, then throw phosphex bombs. And then because you're in the deployment zone with Dynat, they're going to get plus one to the vehicle damage table which normally they're only AP3, so they don't, but now they are. Yeah, exactly. They're Alpha Legion. So you can do all that. There's so many... Yeah, it's going to be rough. Rough as fuck. And then you can... I don't know. Does that guy... Does a Siege Master automatically come with a Vox, or can you buy him one? You can, I think you can buy him a Vox. Well, what's-his-face has a Cognosignum. A Cognosignum counts as a Nuncio Vox, right? It's a Nuncio Vox. And, and yeah. Yeah. So there you go, because because they're going to deep strike in, they can be the eyeballs for the quad mortars that are raining in Phosphex, so you're always going to get the minus four, even though you're behind line of sight. And they're a fucking solid-ass unit. They're, they're a toughie. Yeah. And you don't have to get them into any sort of 
combat or anything like that. You could really deep strike them like 30. Well, even if they are, away. they all have power fists. Like yeah. it's, they're yeah. still cat. That's the thing is, yeah, they are shooty, but let's not forget. They're still cataphractic terminators with power fists. Like, <laughs> and then, I mean, Dyn- and then Dynat has the, you know, the, the sword and the thunder hammer that he can freely switch between and all that. Well, that sounds fun. So, I mean, that that's going to get you the maximum amount of phosphex other than destroyers. Which, to be fair, well, for one, destroyers are elites as well as the the quad mortars. So you're just robbing Peter to pay Paul. Like, by taking destroyers, you're actually getting less phosphex because they're taking the same slot. Now, all things being equal, if you take... To be honest, like, because... Once again, phosphex quad mortars are such bullshit. You should probably <laughs> you should probably be required to take a destroyer squad for every quad mortar battery you take. That should just be a rule, like an unwritten, like gentlemanly rule. <laughs> for every one of these bullshit units you take, take one of these like underperforming units to balance that shit out. But whatever. I didn't realize how uh, against quad mortars you were. I'm not against like they're great. But it's like they're too good. They're just one of those things. They're kind of like it's not as bad as some of the 40K stuff that's just like really great. You know what I mean? Like they're not a 32 point Wraith Guard running around with a D gun. You know, let's be like they're not that bad. They're not that stupid. They're not Wraith Guard stupid or Wraith Guard, Wraith Knight stupid or, you know, any of the Tau bullshit. They're not that bad. And there's counters to like I play a lot of drop pods or whatever like if you come in you know with a deep striking unit like say you come in with a dread claw and you drop next to them they usually have a hard time getting you out of it and then even if they do they've wasted all their shots getting you out and then you just assault it and the thing is like quad mortars suck an assault like tactical marines upgraded to extra close combat weapons will beat the shit out of a quad mortar battery and kill them so they'll lose to anything in assault so the idea is you I mean, here in my meta, I fight against them. That and Scorpus Whirlwinds are in every goddamn army. So you have to have, like, in your army list, it's a requirement if you want to play here and not lose every game you play to have something that gets in that backfield and deals with that. I mean, you better have outflanking javelins. You better have a Dreadclaw. Like, my go-to unit for my word bearers used to just be five Cataphracty with Power Fists and no other upgrades and a Dreadclaw. And whenever you had some bullshit backfield unit like that, I dropped that Dreadclaw in next to it. And then usually they would live. You maybe would kill, you know, the Claw and maybe one or two Terminators, but even one or two Terminators that survive assaulting into a quad mortar battery will kill it. I think you need so, a, I think you need a, a whole just the tips segment on taking care of quad mortars. Well, we can do that. Like I said, I want to do, I want to do drop pods. I mean, that can all be part of the drop because it's all kind of the same idea. Because the cool thing about drop pods, like you don't have to take orbital assault to really get drop pods. Like the way the dread claw works now with being minimum scatter and all that, and the fact that it's just a fast attack choice, and it's a dedicated transport option now for normal cataphracty. So, like I said, my go-to unit for dealing with shit like that for in my word bears was just five generic cataphracty. And a Dreadclaw, which any army can take that now. And that's a great unit for dealing with shit like that. 
And then what's funny, you drop that dread claw so close, right, to them that even if they get you out, like, because typically what happens is they're going to try to get you out and then shoot you with the quad mortars that you put them there to try to kill. It's typically what they try to do. So you put your dread call so close that when they kill the dread call and you get out, you just move your guys one inch away from the quad mortars where you're literally like standing. Like imagine like me and you like standing where I'm like standing on the end of your toes, like almost nose to nose. And you are, you're armed with sometimes an explosive weapon. It's really hard to utilize that without hurting yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And because they have the rules where you're not legally allowed to place the template, you know, and touch your own models. Like, because it's a small blast, like especially Terminator with large base, they can barely place it, like on the back. If you're standing like one inch away, they can barely place it and get one guy. But you see what I'm saying? Like, if they scatter at all... It's dangerous to scatter, yeah. It's dangerous to scatter. Like, it, it minimizes it. Medusas, I don't like Medusas. Like, I don't think, like... Here, people have quit running them because, like, well, for one, because quad mortars and other shit like that do the same thing and are way better. Medusas are way easier to kill because they're only armor 10 on the side. Armor 10 vehicle is way easier to stun or kill than try to take out a goddamn tough seven quad mortar sitting in ruins, getting a four up cover save against everything. It's horrible to try to dig those guys out with shooting. You have to do it with assault. Medusas aren't a big deal. Medusas are, you take some. I take two javelins and come in from outflank and shoot you with two multi-meltas and two twin link cyclone missile launchers hitting on twos because they have strafing run and murder your whole squad of All medusas. Day. No All problem. <laughs> that comes in and shoots quad mortars. You're luckily lucky to put a wound. They're like, oh yeah, cool. My gun took a wound or I lose one crew member, which literally affects nothing. Like, ugh, it's so dumb. I hate it. So, like, Medusas are easier to deal with, and the fact that they're large blast, if you use that same tactic, like I said, where you drop pod in right on them, and then even if they kill the drop pod, you just get out and stand one inch away from the Medusa, they can't place blast markers on you without touching themselves, because the marker's too big. Hmm. So, you just have to be real aggressive with how you do stuff dealing with things like that. And plus, quad mortars sound much more alpha legion-y than medusas anyway well they're definitely a dick move so yeah they definitely <laughs> sell more alpha legion All right. i just get so animated because i like every list i fight has them in it and like even some of my other friends now are like oh cool i get a fight against quad mort like it's like people here have started pulling out of their list pulling quad mort's out of their list as like almost a mercy like it's a gentleman's agreement i won't run them if you don't run them because they're so annoying you know, I tell you, that's how Texas is, man. It's just Leviathans now, like totally out of the quad mortar game. All Leviathans, but like I said, I, I will trade you, I'll trade you any day of the week. There's a million things, you know, like you have to have something very specific to deal with quad mortars, like, and it, it eliminates like just them running around here, even just playing for fun games, it eliminates a whole aspect of the meta, like, people, like. If like a lot of these lists we get sent in, like I want to run this all foot slugging list. That was funny. Funny that you say that, dude. My buddy Aaron, the same guy. Actually, Aaron, you're probably listening right now. Aaron sent me a message, and hold on, wait for it, wait for it. He says, "So idea I've been toying with having the rest of the army infiltrate and have a full twenty man attack squad be with Dinat." 
deep striking the backfield. Use the squad to just fury the legion, whatever poor unfortunate squad they're next to. Which, you know, I think he understood that you're gonna have to wait a turn before you can fury of the legion and all that. And the first thing I texted him was twenty man tax squad not gonna make it. Like <laughs> there's like you deep strike in, become this giant target, and then Here's if you if you want to run that style army, the only style army that I've seen that work in is the new world eaters. I will say the new world eater rules have really made something like that viable. You can take a 20 man world eater tactical squad. Well, actually, you'd make it 19, put an apothecary in there, whatever. Um, run that right of war where it gives them plus one to their feel no pain. So if they in if they are in your deployment zone, the apothecary is going to give them five up, and then if they're in the enemy deployment zone, they get go up to four up feel no pain, which is pretty durable. And then what you do is you take the apothecary and the 19 man tactical squad that all are going to be like strength six chain axe guys or whatever. You put them in a Charybdis and you literally begin them in the game in your opponent's deployment zone. <laughs> that's rough as fuck. That's a hard ass. That's a mean ass tactical squad. Not doesn't work so well with Alpha Legion. No, no, no. Like that's like the one. Like I'm just saying. Like if you like that style of army and you want to run these big, you know, tact like blobs, put them in Charybdises. Play world leaders. Put them in Charybdises. Give them all chain axes. Throw an apothecary in there. Run the thing where they get. Crazy feel no pain if you're in the deployment zone. And then just start them in the enemy deployment zone where they want to be anyway to get into close combat. It's and fucking evil. My buddy Nate's yeah, my buddy Nate's doing that and it's nasty. And that gets around the quad mortar thing because once again, that drops down. The quad mortar like the quad mortar can't shoot them because they're in the Charybdis, and then they get out of the Charybdis and assault the quad mortars and get rid of them. It's such so, a good tactic. It's such a fun-sounding army, too. That's now, exactly you, so, how World Eaters is supposed to be played, too. Right. So, like, I've read, like, you sent me the thing today about Games Workshop. Will you just castle up? I don't know if you saw my response to that, but, like, let me tell you about castling. Like, typically is a death trap. It typically, against a drop pod army, wedges all your shit in one corner so that the drop pod guy could drop three or four drop pods across the front of your deployment and pin you in place where he has you exactly where he wants you so he can murder your whole army in two turns and he doesn't have to like worry about not having any mobility because you've put all your shit in one place on the battlefield conveniently where he doesn't have to move around after he gets out of his drop pod to murder everything. <laughs> Does that make, you see what I'm saying? I get it. Look, that's the exact, that's the games workshop tactic. Castle up in a corner. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Bad move. Bad move. That's that's why you don't see anybody that works for Games Workshop playing an Adepticon or playing like that's like I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what to say about that. I've probably droned on and on way too long about quad mortars, but we can I love it. I mean we can talk about we can get with this guy and I'll help him write a list. Um I can show him because I like doing like this is how I do it. Like he's it's cool that he has an idea that this is this is this is my personal way I build lists so everybody out there knows. I come up with a theme like he did. Like he said, he wanted to do Alpha Legion. He definitely wanted to steal Siege Tyrants, and he wants to run as much Phosphex as he can, right? So that's his fluff idea, which is fine. So you start and you build, within that criteria, you build the nastiest list that you can build. You put it on paper. I'm not saying go out and buy the units. I say you start there. Then you look at it on paper, and for one, you go... Now, this is nasty. This is the nastiest I can build. Does it still meet my fluff requirements, and is it fluffy? Is there just some bullshit I've thrown in here to make it mean? 
you know, what you shouldn't do. You should always stick, you know, make it fluffy. Then dial it back to where it's a good level where people aren't going to be mad at you. That's nice of you. That's what I try to do. And sometimes I'll build, like I'll start, like I'll go ahead and build the list that's like as mean as it can possibly be and be within that fluff. Because maybe I don't know or don't realize how bad it really is or how much it is actually going to upset people. But I always play it against my poor friends here in the game club first. Like, I don't just unleash it on the world like strangers I don't know <laughs> at an event. So my poor friends have to take the brunt of it to the face. But they do the same thing to me. So it's not it's not like I'm just around bullying. Everybody. Like, everybody here is a shark. Like, there's a bunch of sharks that play here. But like I said, we all stay within the fluff. There's nobody just like taking bullshit just because it's good. Like it's always fluffy. That being said, you can build a mean ass fluffy list. So you start it as mean as you can play a few games with your friends, like people, you know, you're not going to upset or ruin like an event for somebody because you're just playing casual games. Reassess it after you play through, you know, three, four games and go, you know what? This is kind of like dumb. Like nobody, like, People are having a really hard time dealing with this. It's making it not really fun. It's just kind of going around murdering everything and then dial it back till it gets to a level to where you still feel like it's competitive. You don't feel like you're in, like you don't feel like you're going to go into games and be at a disadvantage, like right from the get go, but also where you're not going into a game going, Oh, well I like, look at this poor sap. He's got a foot slogging army. I have all this phosphate. This game's going to last two turns. (laughs) you know like that's lame like you don't ever want that scenario unless you're playing in a pure competitive environment where that's the whole point but if you're going to like michigan gt like i'm going to where it's story driven you don't really want that you know what i mean and my word bearer army i'm taking is accidentally meaner than it should be it just is and it's a Highlander army. Like I'm not duplicating any units other than two tactical squads. So it's not like, you know, and I, I'm not taking quad mortars. I'm not taking a Scorpus whirlwind. I'm not, you know, and I've put stuff in the list to try to offset some of the meaner shit, but it, it's still pretty mean. The, the, the saving grace is I get to choose my psychic powers with Lorgar. So the plan is, when I go, like if I if I get to see my opponent's list during deployment, because you do psychic powers during deployment. So if I go into a game knowing like this guy's kind of overmatched, I can choose bullshit psychic powers that aren't really gonna you know what I mean? Yeah. That, oh, yeah. So I can kind of adjust it and make it not so harsh, I guess is what I'm saying. So I'm going like you need to use ethics and morals when you build these lists. Like <laughs> it's not all about just like I'm going to put the crazy shit out there and smash everybody. It is when you're trying to be competitive, but what the, like, that's no fun at a narrative. Like, why do you want to do that for an narrative event? Makes zero sense. Don't go to a narrative if you're just there to go kick dicks. (laughs) Yeah. But that's the thing is like 30 K is mostly about that. So if you just want to kick dicks, which sometimes that is fun to do. Like we have, like I said, I like find a game club. Like you guys, you guys got a really good club. We have a really good club. So I can call my like my friend Nick tomorrow and go, hey, Nick, next this is coming game night. Let's just take the gloves off and play the meanest shit against each other, you know, and do that. Get that out of your system, you know. <laughs> but like, don't just spring it on somebody like, I don't know. I've drove way, way too long on this, but I, that's why I feel about like 
I just, I hate telling him to build a list with nine Phosphex quad mortars in it and fucking deep striking tyrants with plus one to the damage. Like, you know what I mean? Who wants to play against that? That shit's not fun. And it's not that I can't beat it. Like, I could build a list to beat that. A lot of my, like, my, I feel like my Salamanders all coming or comers list would tool that. Like, I'm not scared of that. I'd be like, cool, this is a, this is an easy win for me. This, this My list is designed to kill shit like this. But it's still, you know what I mean? It's still kind of a lame thing. I get it, dude. I feel you. I so, feel like I feel like your whole heart's on the table right now. I'm just saying. So like maybe maybe run maybe run two units of two Phosphex quad mortars instead of three <laughs> units of three. Still still fucking evil. Not not so crazy. Something like that. I think he's gonna be okay. We'll get it. We'll get him. Okay. Oh, you could do Leviathan Dreadnought. They have the Phosphex launcher. Just thought about that. That'd be a cool unit. He'll definitely have Leviathan. We talked about Leviathan. That fits in your meta. Deep striking into the enemy deployment zone using Dynats. Little special thing. Yeah, plus one with the fucking storm cannon. Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. Basically becoming AP two against tanks. Dude, Solid. I'm telling you that Dynat rule with Meltavets, the new Meltavets rule with the uh, machine killers. It's nasty. And then him, then him giving him plus one ballistic skill with his Cognosignum. That's where it's at with Alpha Legion. I see it. Oh yeah. So. So yeah, I decided to throw that curveball at you right at the end there, just for my well, buddies, just so I could tell them to listen. Then maybe you know, hopefully, Aaron, your ears are still listening to this right now. Well, if he actually wants like help with the list, I mean, you got my phone. He can always just call me. I don't care. I call me any you know any time at nighttime. We can bullshit as long as he wants on I'll the phone. Probably get a call can, from him. Or he can send me an email if he doesn't want to listen to my nasally voice. I don't blame him. <laughs> so anyway that's all i got man i feel like this is gonna be a little bit longer episode than normal but it's fun though we talked about a lot of cool shit we did talk about a lot of cool shit man got a lot of fun stuff coming up guys uh chris pretty just had a like long weekend of warhammer so i think next time he's on he's actually gonna be talking about that we had Jin carlo from the perils of the wallet youtube channel come down to play some games he got some games in with josh and uh and pretty there and uh he had a pretty good time from what i understand so i think we got that coming up here in a future episode uh i don't know i feel like i'd be cursing it if i said it but uh john french did confirm that he was going to do an interview with us so like if you have questions for him we would like to get those questions especially if you it, it's mostly going to be about praetorian of dorn it's going to be like which is have you read it uh, I'm I'm on chapter six right now. Oh, dude, it's so good. It's how, great. So how? Well, chapter six is because it's broken into parts. It's only like five chapters. If you're on chapter six, you finish the book. So you're on like part six of part chapter six, one. Yeah. yeah. So you're not that far in. No, no, I'm not very. Far okay, dude, it's so good. It's one of the better ones in a while, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great book. If you haven't started reading it, check it out now. I mean, I really enjoyed Gav's last book. So, Gav, if you're listening, I, I, you're probably not. But if you are, <laughs> we we did love it. But just being honest here, I kind of I like this book better. So, you know, just saying, it's good, man. It's it, it's, good. it's great so far. I mean, I actually I was listening to it at work, and I kept rewind. Like I was so into it, like people would interrupt me. I just rewind the whole chapter. I guess 
or part, whatever right. it is. I just rewind the whole thing. It's like, I'm just going to start back over because I cannot miss what's going on right now. Well, because it's Alpha Legion, there's lots of like stuff that you have to pay attention. There's lots of little subtle shit in the book that you have to pay attention to to get what's going on. So I always paint uh, when I'm doing this. And then while I'm painting and listening to the audiobook, my fucking phone's always blowing up or people are sending me emails or whatever. And I always have to stop. And then I get my brain. I'm always thinking about shit. I'm like one of those guys. My mind's never at rest. Yeah. Which is kind of like, so a book like this is actually kind of hard for me to listen to because I get interrupted and then it's hard to get back or I'll find myself, even though I enjoy the book, I'm listening to it painting and I'll start like thinking about some other bullshit. And then like five minutes have went by and I'm like, man, I've not listened to this close enough. So I'm like, that's the same thing. It took me, normally I can listen to an audio book pretty fast. It took me like almost my whole work week to listen to it because I, I kept going back because I didn't want to miss anything. Um, the book's extremely good, extremely good. And it's got, it really advances the timeline, which I like. They've been really dragging ass on the timeline. This really pushes it forward, which I like a lot. Yeah, what's crazy about the book itself is it's full of like little surprises. Like somebody will have this like monologue going on and it'll just like cut off and that person will be dead. Like <laughs> just done. It's yeah. Like, no more of that. You're like, oh, what? What? Like that's why I was like, what did I miss? Like how did I? Like this guy was like, anyway. Well, he he's really good. it's written really well and he's really good with, um, God damn, what do you call that? I'm not a literary major. When you describe something as being like something that's it's typically not common to, like your face is like an ocean or some shit, and then you explain why. Okay. Yeah. Sure. I got you. I know what you're saying. It's like an like I can't remember. Anyway, I'm I'm an idiot. I'm a hillbilly. I'm from Indiana, people. Don't judge me. So, um, but anyway, uh, he's good at that. There's a lot of that in the book, and it's not like super repetitive. Like I love the Malice Darkblade books. Like they're my favorite fantasy books ever written. But if you read that book, like every time he stabs somebody, his sword is like a shard of ice. Like he's get gets like he was stabbed, and it felt like a shard of ice. Like we, yeah. me and my cousin Jason always joke about that. And then there's a book. I think it's uh, there's a Graham McNeil book, which I, Graham McNeil overall is my favorite Black Library author. So I'm okay. definitely not talking shit. But um, there's a book and he uses the number like ten thousand, like a ton of times. So he's like, there's ten thousand, like because he's trying to explain it as a lot, and you can tell that that's like his go-to number. Yeah, for sure. And an, a good editor should catch that. So it's not necessarily the author's fault. Sometimes it's the editor that should pick up on that my cousin jason it's hard to please him because he's an actual literary major and not only that he's a technical writing major so he's like the kind of guy that when you write like a manual for a vcr he writes it in all the fucking legalese so it has to be like super on point like your brain is totally tied into making sure it's very concise type thing jesus so when, he, when he reads a book he, he'll pick up on any of that like none of that shit gets by him so there are some books that I'll read and really like, and he'll read it and get like 30 pages in and be like, I can't read this shit. I'm like, why? And he's like, he'll point out all the stuff that I would have never picked up on that really just gets under his skin because of the author's writing style or the editor didn't catch that he thinks that you shouldn't write that way. Maybe there's some secret Graham McNeil 10,000 code like inside of his book. Every time he says 10,000, like you take the next word and like... Yeah. It's like, it's, it's a giant like... If you found this, then 
Right. But anyway, because I hang out, my cousin Jason's like my little brother. Like we hang out all the time and we talk all the time and we share a lot of the same interests. Because of him telling me about this, about so many books, I've started to pick up on it. You know what I mean? Like, cause he'll explain, well, this and this. So then I don't necessarily look for it. But when I, when it does happen, I'll be like, Oh, this is what Jason's talking about. Now it doesn't bother me. Like it does him. Like I can find stuff like what he's talking about and it doesn't bother me like it bothers him. But I do pick up on stuff like that. And I will say, like, I didn't notice anything crazy like that in a John French book. It's very well written. It's very cool. Like, there's lots of little things that make it a good novel. Yeah, it's good so far. I'm surprised you finished it. I've been a lot less productive than you listening to my I'm book. not surprised. Sorry, that's an MMA reference. You probably you don't watch MMA. You wouldn't get it. <laughs> Nate Diaz. So, yeah. So, that's all I got. If y'all got questions on Praetorian of Dorne, let us know. We need... I think Ryan probably has some questions. We got some already, but uh, that we actually got from the Facebook and all I that. I don't jazz. know. I don't know how you're going to ask questions without giving away this that's, book. There's so many, like, things in this book. Spoilers, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ass, you don't... Like, yeah, like, the whole book. Like, every chapter is, like, some new, like, thing that you... You know, I don't know how we're going to ask any questions at all. We're going to have, like, two questions. How did, did you have feel? fun writing the book? Yeah, so generic. <laughs> so generic. <laughs> we'll figure something out. And it, we have other books he's gone off of, so we can, we can figure Maybe we can ask him all the crazy spoiler questions and put it in a different segment that if you don't give a fuck, you can listen to that. But if you've not listened to the book, don't listen to it. Yes. We'll figure something out. We'll talk to him about it. Yeah. But, so yeah, dude. We're done. This is it. We're done. We're done. We got nothing else to talk about now. Nope. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we nope. do, but it's out. We've talked about everything. I feel bad for everybody that's two hours and fifty minutes into this right now. <laughs> like nope. you talked about quad mortars for like an hour. Sorry. <laughs> I'll just play it. Well, I have to play against them in every game. So imagine like if, if you got annoyed by me talking about them, imagine I have to play against them every game. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you uh I realize now that I didn't tell y'all it was episode 19, but I don't think it matters. I think we, we're pretty deep in. You're going to read you it. Could, you could go back and add it at the beginning. Just record the intro, edit it in. No, I can't do that. There is no editing. No. We got to make sure we appreciate Ben first, first yeah. and foremost. But, yeah, I don't know. The quad mortar thing. Like I said, at least my like my guys, like Scott, my buddy Scott, we're going to go back to it. This is going to be my warlord thing. <laughs> I'm going to get it. back at you. Like, my buddy Scott, like I said, like, we did that last battle report. He's a nice guy. He only ran four against me. He had two units of two. He didn't go overboard. He could have ran more. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, you know what? I'm not going to run more. I'm going to run two units of two. It's harsh as fuck. Not over the top. So. I have three sitting in this uh, this cabinet behind me right here. Three units or just three quad mortars? Uh, three, three quad mortars, not three. Oh, units. that's, yeah, okay. That's fine. And uh, my buddy, he's he's gonna start playing. He's gonna play Imperial Fist. And I told him, I was like, hey, I'll just give you these. Like we don't use them. And I don't think he realizes how like rough as fuck they are. Actually, he listens to every podcast we have, so he's listening to this right now. Like, well, my buddy Mosier, I'm looking. He left his army here. He's got six of them sitting on his tray. We just put in a, a group Forge World order. He ordered three more. I'm like, you cock. As soon as I seen, here's the my order. He's got more quad borders on there. I'm like. Are you fucking kidding me? What army does he play? Iron Warriors. Oh, okay. Does he play the uh, Iron Fire? 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Of course he. Of course he does. <laughs> Who wrote the list? Oh, you... <laughs> not with, not with that many quad orders. He's bought extra to put in there. Oh. Well, all right, guys, we're gonna close this one out. Let's go ahead and get the music started. Bye. <laughs> we'll catch you later, guys. Y'all have a good one.